back to Dive Bar Sportscast. Wipe your feet or your ass and uh, pour yourself a drink and definitely uh, get ready uh, for our January update. Uh, we're going to take, you know, these monthly breaks uh, from the main episodes that we, we like to, uh, you know, our main format is that we go in with a topic, a specific topic to talk about. Uh, but we do want to uh, have these monthly breaks to really just give you an update on the world of sports kind of across every uh, major sport. Uh, and, you know, uh, anything that we didn't cover in the, uh, the the weekly news segments, things happen, you know, big things can get missed. So uh, we, we want to give you uh, a chance to uh, catch up on everything, uh, you know, recent that uh, may have happened. So a uh, happy new year, first of all, to uh, to everyone. This is 2023. I know it still feels like 2019 here, uh, at least to <laughs> me. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and start with, uh, as always, pretty much we start with the NFL here. Uh, crazy season uh, and crazy in, in not the best of ways, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, it's. The, the scoring has been off uh, the, you know, it, it, it's teams. It's, it feels like teams that were set to dominate certainly didn't. And, uh, and now we're kind of left with, we're just about to enter the playoffs. Uh, we're going into wild card weekend this coming weekend. Uh, and the, the, it's a, it's a different structure. It's certainly a different, uh, you know, playoff bracket than we're used to. Um, and uh, so first let's, you know, talk about, uh, the, 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 the playoffs themselves, not to get into full things, but let's talk about who, who's going to this AFC and NFC championship just as a brief. Connor, I'm going to go with you first. Let's talk about the AFC championship. Who do you think, pick a team that you think, hey, the, uh, you know, or the teams, sorry, the two teams that are going to this championship game uh, that will ultimately duel for uh, the Super Bowl? I mean, realistically, let's be real. It, sh it, it should probably be Kansas City and Buffalo. They've been mm. two of the strongest teams. I mean, it's not to knock Cincinnati, but uh, yeah. I feel like there's less holes in between Kansas City and Buffalo. They both played very well. Kansas City looks like a machine sure. right now. Yeah, um, they, they do. Do you think the uh, do you think that coin toss uh, thing comes into effect at all? For those who don't know, oh yeah, <laughs> the Bills and the Bengals had were playing a game, uh, you know, last Monday, which was what the the third, I believe. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, the the second, and uh, they they were playing a uh, you know their scheduled game, and. Uh, Unfortunately, at the time there was a uh, during the play, uh, Demar Hamlin, safety for the Buffalo Bills, uh, did go down. He did suffer a cardiac arrest and had to be revived on the field. Uh, he is, as of today's recording, January 9th, uh, he is uh, has been released from the hospital. He's doing well. He's made a full uh, recovery and he is still uh, in the process of building back up. Obviously, um, and we and we want him. Uh, we wish him well, and that he uh, hopefully is able to return to the field. And just an outpouring of support for him uh, across the entire country, which was wonderful to see. And I'm so glad to uh, see him out of the hospital. The that <laughs> game that uh, that that happened in was canceled. It was canceled at the time that the uh, that the play happened, and uh, it was decided by the NFL that the game would not. Uh, be replayed or restarted in any way so uh those teams were l basically played one game less 
than the others. And they instituted kind of a complicated rule for the, you know, deciding because these two teams are at the top of their divisions and they're vying for uh, the top spot, you know, in, you know, or vying for a, you know, uh, home field advantage. Mm-hmm. So the NFL came up with kind of this coin toss rule that essentially it boils down to this. If, if the bills and the bangles are playing, you know, in, in, in a kind of, if they're in the championship game, they, it's a coin toss on whether it goes to a neutral site. And mm-hmm. there has been some, uh, you know, controversy around that, uh, mostly from the Bengals side about, uh, you know, or at least concern from them uh, that, you know, this was kind of unfair by the NFL. And uh, personally, I think it's just, it's such a messy situation. Yeah. Uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of ways to, to come out on top in terms of like, you know, the NFL really winning this situation or, or doing the best they could. I think this is the best they could. No, yeah, this is an unprecedented situation, right? How do you do this with a week, basically, to kind of make it mm-hmm. make something in some sort of fairness? And you know, like, uh, yeah, it sucks. I would be mad if I was the Bengals too. But what were they left to do, right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to win a game, and I mm-hmm. and and I say neutral site is better than uh, a disadvantage. So it's not like Agreed. they said, hey. You've got to, you know, and I know there's still a chance because it's a coin flip, but uh, it's not like they, you know, they were guaranteed home field advantage and then they got it taken away from them. That's right. That's kind of where I lean, where I'm like, this is mm-hmm. still a game you guys have to win and have to play. And it's not exactly like the Bengals were terrible on the road. They only lost no. three games on the road. Yeah. So, you know, it, th- this is still a fantastic team. I understand their frustration. But, uh, you know, this was the only way to move forward. Could it have been handled maybe a little different? This is – people have to remember. You have to remember, people, that this is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This isn't in the rule book anywhere. This isn't a situation that they've prepared for. I'm sure it will be going forward. Absolutely. But until then, you know, the question remains, what do you really do? In this situation, I, I don't know. I think the NFL did, did fine. But, uh, you know, kind of moving forward with that, I would I would have to agree with you. I think it's going to be the Chiefs and the Bills should that uh, bracket, you know, kind of uh, you reveal itself. I think it should be those two teams. They are the best two in the AFC. I know Buffalo looks a little shaky. Um, just the, the games that they – it seems like mostly in the first half of certain games they'll – They'll kind of have a, a slow start. And there are teams you can't do that against. I, the funny thing is I think the Bengals are a team you can start slow against because the Bengals are, are a team themselves that take a little bit to ramp up. Agreed. Whereas yeah. the Chiefs, no. You cannot start slow against the Chiefs. You have to come out swinging because you don't know. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs kind of have – they're a little, uh, you know, up in the air themselves. You don't know exactly which team you're getting, but – more often than not, it's been, you know, smash mouth football f- from their offense where it's like, hey, we're going to mm-hmm. score early and score often. So I would have to agree with you on that. Uh, let's talk NFC then. You know, if, we, if we've got, you know, the Bills and the Chiefs ideally going to this uh, championship game in the AFC, what about the NFC? See, the NFC is where it gets a little more convoluted because there are mm-hmm. a lot of good NFC teams. 
It's hard oh, to yeah. it's 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 hard to say that it shouldn't be in my opinion the Eagles and probably the Niners, but the Vikings have played very well. They kind of do the same thing. They've played a lot of close games and won a lot of close games, which you don't want to do in the playoffs. I mean, it's good yeah. to have the experience of, you know, needing to win these close games, but being in that gambling mentality of almost of having to come from behind and win games, stuff like that, you know, uh, it's tough. But yeah, I, I think like. the Niners have the, I think the Niners have the best defense realistically in the playoffs right now. Yep. So that's hard. It's hard to put that against them. They're playing great with McCaffrey. They have a, they have weapons everywhere. I mean, they're playing. They played what three quarterbacks this season, and they've all played well. Brock Purdy's playing pretty damn fantastic for a third string quarterback. So they don't have a lot of weaknesses. I I think it's probably going to be the Eagles and the Niners most likely. Yeah, I'd have to uh, honestly, I'd have to agree there too. The uh, I don't think the Vikings have any business being as good or their record does not match their play i mean we're talking about a team that they they went 13 and 4 but they had a differential of negative three they their defense gave up three more points than their offense scored and that's saying something because they scored 424 points they gave up 427 that is the same number of points that the detroit lions gave up this defense is atrocious this year and they're mm-hmm. going to get knocked out very early so yeah. The, okay. The first game that they played, I do not anticipate the Vikings, you know, making it out of it. Could be wrong, but realistically, the 49ers, they do have the best defense in the NFL. Uh the the Bills are slightly behind them uh in, in defense, but uh they've also put up a significant number of points. I think the Eagles and the Niners that'd be a fantastic showdown in the NFC Championship. You've got the mm-hmm. Eagles, they have hey, they're no slouch on defense themselves. They're they're Absolutely you know, not. you know, splash plays. Uh, are their kind of specialty this year and uh mm-hmm. if uh Jalen Hurts is healthy and uh you know it, it, I don't see why I, I I don't see why this wouldn't be honestly a better game to watch than even the AFC uh championship um, yeah I agree you know and now uh the the question remains is who's who's in the Super Bowl and who wins it you know what teams do you and that's think that's where uh, it gets yeah. And that's where it's, you know, that's the really just the, the gut feeling, I guess, because these teams, you know, the teams that we both called out are both so evenly matched and it'll come down to basically, I think, game script at that point. Right. I mean, if it's if it's the Chiefs and the Bills, I guess I'm giving it to the Chiefs just because of the season matchup, because I think they played each other enough times now. I think the Chiefs are rolling on all cylinders. They don't have as many question marks. They don't start slow. Um Mahomes has been playing great for how I mean for even his standards. He's you know he's okay. looking like an MVP. So Chiefs and um, who then? Oh man, and this is where it gets tough. You know, I mean, uh, if Hurts is healthy, I think I have to take the Eagles just because of even just the quarterback matchups. You're taking a a what was it? He was Mister Irrelevant, wasn't he? Brock Purdy. He was the last pick in the draft, I believe. So you're taking, you're taking a guy who has no playoff experience against a guy who was the front runner for the MVP. So if he's healthy, I I have to go with them. As good as the Niners' defense is, and as good as their offense is, they just have more pieces that you can rely on that can win games. So, Fair enough. That and you are yeah. correct. Uh, Brock Purdy was Mister Irrelevant um, for the 2022 draft. I'm I'm gonna say yeah. It's it's probably uh, it's gonna be the Chiefs. 
Uh, I think the Bills have, uh, you know, as great as their defense has been and obviously as great as their offense is with their weapons, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs have a more balanced attack on offense and they've hit their stride on defense uh, a little bit more. You know, they started the season with, you know, kind of just a little kickstart style, but they've they've certainly found their way and they can win pretty much in any situation uh, in any adversity, I think the Chiefs take it. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to take uh, the 49ers as well. I know it's it's you know I I'd, I'd love to pick the 49ers in this situation because of their defense, but when you have inconsistency and you know inexperience under center, it it's not it, that's a situation you can't overcome uh, often. You know, it certainly could happen. There certainly could be, certainly could be a magical run, uh, you know, for for the Niners. But I think that when if they get to the championship game, it's they're going to find that it's it's a whole different animal, uh, mm-hmm. especially with the if they're playing against the Eagles, who have an explosive defense. Yeah, l- a little less consistent, but they make the splash plays. And against a, uh, an inexperienced quarterback, that's what's going to happen. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I think the Chiefs and the Eagles, uh, you know, are going to be, you know, your your is that's going to be your Super Bowl. And I'm, I think in this case, I think uh, the if you, I just see the Chiefs as a machine right now. It's really right. hard not I to. Agree. And I think they're going to take the take on through the Eagles as much as I I'd actually like to see the Eagles really put it all together and have a magical moment. Because it, it, I have, there's a lot of people that feel that 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 Super Bowl against the Patriots was kind of a who to, who saw that coming. It would be nice to right. see them dominate in a Super yeah. Bowl. I don't see them overcoming the Chiefs' uh, offense, and uh, it, even with the explosive plays. Now you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. You're talking about a Super Bowl winner. Right. You're talking about the, the guy who's probably going to win the MVP this year. He is. He's he's been real quiet, and that's scary. Exactly. That absolutely. I mean, for all the talk we've heard about Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, obviously, yep. Jalen Hurts. I mean, yeah, basically Mahomes has been kind of an afterthought and he's leading the league in what? Yards, touchdowns. Yeah. Like hasn't turned the ball over very much. Like And and here's something, you know, I love Jalen Hurts. I'm really happy he's had the season that he's had. Um, but we're still only one year removed away from is this the quarterback for the Eagles? So Correct. I'm again very glad that he's had this season, but um, you know there's also some injury concerns. Is he going to you know thrive? I don't know. You know it's it's tough to say. And if you put those two teams in particular up against each other, the Chiefs' defense isn't exactly that far behind the Eagles in terms of a consistency level. I think Correct. explosiveness goes right to the Eagles, but against a Mahomes-type quarterback you know all bets are off you're you're playing against mm-hmm. the best quarterback in the league uh you know certainly this year and over the last i want to say five years um mm-hmm. it, it it would be tough to uh, in my view it would be tough to not see the chiefs in that situation walk away with the with the super bowl absolutely and yeah. uh but beyond just the winners in the nfl right now uh there's there's certainly uh, the, uh plenty of losers and We've got a lot of teams to go over, and uh, you know we're both uh, smiling right now because uh, our both of our favorite teams are among the losers of this year, the uh, Steelers and the Cardinals. So we 
We'll talk about uh, a brief update for all of the non-playoff teams. But first, uh, let's talk about the, the, the head coaching carousel. We I don't want to go too deep into it, but I do want to talk about the main players uh, that are the, the big names for coaching. Obviously, uh, today, uh, you know, your Cardinals, uh, you know, they're, they're going through a bit of a, a change up if you want to uh, go into that. Yeah, I mean, this realistically, this is a massive, massive changeup. This is basically dictates, I mean, at least the next five years of the franchise. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury has been let go by the Cardinals, and Steve Kime has stepped down due to health reasons, which realistically, he just didn't want to get fired. It was his time to go. He just decided to do it a little more graciously, well, if you will. He's been with the organization for quite a while. For 10 years, so. yeah. And I mean... He did a great job in the first, probably first half of his tenure. I mean, he drafted, took a risk on guys like Tyron Matthew, you know, made some, you know, made some splash, obviously got Patrick Peterson, big, big players who were very, um, just big pieces that got us kind of towards being a less of a bottom feeder team that you laugh at and became more of a legit team. But then that magic faded, you know, same with Cliff Kingsbury, you know, we looked good, but it was his penchant for letting us fall apart in like the second half of the season sure so you know and, and with that um, i i, I want to we'll we're going to dive back into the cardinals at, individually i kind of wanted to tee them up uh to illustrate uh the the coaching the coaches that are available um because mm-hmm. you know the really there are a lot there's a lot of talent out there whether or not that talent will ultimately be available is the question but I think, uh, you know, like, again, I wanted to use the Cardinals to kind of in- illustrate that there are going to be teams that have significant openings, and the Cardinals are, in my opinion, one of the, you know, the teams that have a, a really good situation potentially that potentially. a coach could walk into. I mean, I, Lovey Smith was just released from the Texans today. They've got a good situation. The Colts are going to have, uh, you know, a new uh, – of the teams that are available, uh, I think it's Cardinals, Colts, Panthers, Texans, Broncos uh, are the main ones that are going to, you know, already have uh, openings or are expected to have openings. Um, mm-hmm. And there's an, there's certainly a lot of talent on the board that, uh, you know, that that could go, you know, to each team. I think Frank Reich is a huge uh, name that could uh, ultimately go for uh, you know that go to a team they he was the uh, the most recent uh head coach for uh you know the mainstay head coach for the Colts uh then you've got uh, uh D'Amico Ryans uh who uh he was a, a linebacker for 10 years and uh you know he's he's gained a lot of ground um you know kind of a, a fast riser as uh, and as an assistant and uh and mm-hmm. coaching linebackers so uh, he, you know, he's up there as well as uh, Shane uh, Steichen. I hope I'm saying that right. But he is the current offensive coordinator for the Eagles, which just look at the Eagles go right now. I think they're the uh, second highest scoring team in the NFL. Uh, they are. So it's just insane to watch, uh, the, you know, to see his his magic be worked. Um, then you've got uh, Steve Wilkes, who was uh, the – uh, defensive coordinator and kind of secondary coach, kind of all over uh, college and the NFL. Um, and, uh, you know, Eric Bannamy, who is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, uh, yep. really no, needs no introduction. Just take a look at the Chiefs over the last five years, uh, and you will see 
um, just absolute dominance. Uh, and then Leslie Fla- Frazier, uh, who was, uh, you know, he, he was he was the uh, defensive coordinator for the Bills for a while. Uh, he has served as kind of an interim head coach um, in, in before and then a head coach of the Vikings uh, in the early 2010s. Uh, and uh, Jonathan Gannon as well. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is kind of thrown in there. I don't think he'll be available ultimately, and I don't want yeah. him anywhere near the NFL anymore. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously Sean Payton is a yeah. huge name, uh, you know, head coach of the Saints. He stepped away from the Saints because the Saints situation is just absolutely atrocious. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, where he goes, he's certainly – I think he's the biggest name right now that everyone's kind of looking at. Um, and then yeah. Dan Quinn. Uh, Dan Quinn is the de- defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. Uh, you know, and certainly he's, his name's been thrown around uh, the past few years uh, in terms of the head coaching. I think it might be time for him to – uh, take those offers seriously should he get them um so those are the coaches that are the, the names being thrown around the most so now we're going to kind of go into uh the the non-playoff teams in order of you know just division and uh kind of just give you a little quick update of where they are and uh you know what they need to do on a you know on a strategy level in this offseason to compete uh next year so first, we will start uh, with the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots were eliminated. Uh, they went eight and nine in the uh, regular season. Uh, Belichick has confirmed that he is coming back for his 24th season as head coach of the Patriots. Uh, so no surprises there. I don't see him going away. You know, at least for the next couple of years. But uh, what what do they need to? Where, where are they at uh, right now? And and kind of you know what do they need to do? Just weapons on offense. I feel like their defense is relatively solid. They just they don't have a lot of players. I mean, who Jacoby Myers is playing as a number one when realistically he's a number three. Ramondre Stevenson did end up playing very well as a running back. They just need weapons. That's it. They yeah. just need to score. Yeah, I agree. Mac Jones uh, underwhelmed. I know he's he, there was injury concerns with him uh, throughout the year. So hopefully, you know, with a full healthy season next season, he he may be able to get back to his uh, you know. I guess what people expect of him, what the team expects of him, uh, you know, in, in his play style, he, he, he underwhelmed this year. But then again, like you said, the whole the whole team underwhelmed. But they did have a thousand yard rusher in uh, Ramondre Stevenson. With, and that was nice to see. Not a lot of production on the ground in terms of scoring, though. Um, then again, that could be said of their entire team. They didn't exactly score a whole lot, but they were only, no. you know, you know, they're only, you know, less than 40 points. Uh you know, from uh, 400, you know, on the season, you know, in terms of scoring. So they could get it done, but I agree with you. It's it's uh, a, lot, a lot of weapons that they need uh, and, and good quarterback play out of uh, Mac Jones. Really, they really need that because he, had, a, he mm-hmm. had an impressive rookie season um, and he's shown he can be clutch, um, but, you know, they need more out of him. Let's Let's mm-hmm. go into the Jets here. The Jets are an interesting one. I'm going to start with this one because their quarterback situation is atrocious. It's um, a mess. It's it's kind of hilarious that they did they were able to move the ball uh, through the air, which is kind of funny because like if you add up all of their quarterbacks' uh, stats, they had over 4,000 yards through the air. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just the scoring that was kind of you know abysmal only 15 touchdowns through the air and and to pair with 14 interceptions so kind of a moot you know point there and then their rushing was absolutely abysmal i know Brees hall went down in that uh early and that was Mm -hmm. 
so unfortunate uh, for their, you know, he, he started really well, uh, averaging Probably six. Probably was going to be offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, he, he was averaging six yards, uh, six yards uh, per rush on the ground, which is uh, pretty impressive for a rookie. Um, and uh, but the, the, they couldn't they couldn't bring it back up. Really uh, good. You know, out speaking of, you know, yards in the air. Garrett Wilson was uh, a welcome addition to that receiving corps. Talk about a rookie that may end up winning, uh, you know, offensive rookie of the year. He had 1,100 yards through the air, uh, obviously low on the scoring count, but that's not, you know, not exactly his fault. Uh, fantastic out of him. Props to the Jets for their whole draft this year. They drafted guys who ended up pretty much every single one of them were impact, impact players, yep. Yep. which is impressive. Yep, because uh, speaking of, uh, you know, that draft, Sauce Gardner, really, I mean, uh, we were just talking about him yesterday, 20 mm-hmm. passes deflected. Now, mind you, he only had two interceptions, but uh, this is not a splash play uh, defense at the moment. They did have 12 mm-hmm. interceptions across the board, so they were able to have quality coverage, but that pass is defended. Uh, you know, he has the most in the NFL. So mm-hmm. that is, uh, you know, for a rookie, that he, he, they might be looking at winning both offensive and defensive rookie of the year you know, for the Jets. So impressive draft out of them. And, uh, you know, they've got another one coming up. So hopefully they can keep building. They need more consistent quarterback play. I don't know, if I'm being honest, I don't know uh, if they've got it. I know you you like Mike White. Um, yeah, but he's a little older. I know he's not a, long, he's not a long-term option. Yeah, Flacco's he's definitely a, th- a patch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Um. Yeah, Mike White is is patched, you know, is certainly a patch for the uh, the offense, um, but he does uh, move the ball through the air, averaging almost 300 yards a game. Joe Flacco is 37, so he's done. Um, and Zach Wilson, I mean, what more can you say about him that hasn't already been said in just about every headline about the Jets? He's just been underwhelming, and I again, I think this is a long string of. Uh, Jets quarterbacks that are you know underwhelming kind of it's like it's like a I'd say it's a 60 40 shot 60 percent says they're playing on the Jets and you know they're not going to be successful um and 40 percent says that's on them and it's tough he came from BYU I didn't think that there was a whole lot to you know really look at him except for his you know his completion percentage rate out of BYU um which was you know nearing 74 percent which is fantastic but, you know, it's so tough to, to judge these quarterbacks unless they've seen a lot of experience. So they're going to need more mm-hmm. consistency. How they get that, whether through the draft or, uh, you know, going, rolling with what they have uh, for now uh, remains to be seen. Next, we've got uh, ooh, my, my uh, favorite team, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, I mean, from where they were eight games in, they started two and six. From that point, they went seven and two, which is fantastic in my estimation. They went nine and eight. First of all, Mike Tomlin still does not have a losing season. In sixteen seasons with the with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he does not have a losing season. Uh, and the Steelers were starting to score. Scoring was abysmal across the year. I want to say that that is it was absolutely hellacious to watch this team try to move the ball. Uh, especially in the first eight games. It was, they were jumbling, you know, between 
they started with Trubisky, which was the smart move because he he's, he was the veteran on the team. Uh, when and when that didn't work by game four at halftime, they decided to put in Kenny. The objectively correct decision, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. if if nothing else, it added a morale to this team uh, that you know allowed them to be competitive in most games going forward. You know, they did. They were able to beat the Buccaneers. They and the games that they lost, uh, you know, were relatively close. You know, they only lost by seven to the Bengals uh, halfway through the season. They only lost, you know, only lost by six to at the time a streaking Dolphins team. You know, and they only lost by two to the Ravens. You know, uh, before winning ultimately, a, you know, a few games later against them. So, a lot to like about. Steelers in terms of future I think Kenny's going to have a far better season uh, next season uh, you know as the undisputed uh, you know QB1 and you know a better rapport with uh, his Mm -hmm. teammates Najee Harris uh, you know experienced a a late season uh, boost he got over a thousand yards had seven touchdowns on the ground for the year Uh, underwhelming compared to his rookie season but um, you know, it, it, he still picked up the slack, you know, toward the end, and there was improvement in, in, in our receiver course. Same thing, you know, George Pickens, a rookie receiver coming in, he had uh, the high, the, certainly the highest rapport with uh, Kenny and mm-hmm. had the, you know, the most touchdowns. There were only, keep in mind, there were only 12 touchdowns through the air. This is <laughs> absolutely terrible, but four oh, of them man. did go to George Pickens. So I think there's uh, plenty of room for improvement, but I think that improvement is coming. Absolutely. And I think uh, yeah. I will say this hats off to the offensive line for doing what they did uh, with, uh, you know, expectations as low as it, they could be mm-hmm. um, because uh, they only gave up 38 sacks when, you know, they were slated to, you know, be the, the absolute worst in the league. And they did well in the passing uh, pass protection. They need improvement. Um, you know, need to improve uh, with the run game, but uh, they did have, uh, the, you know, we did rush for over 2,000 yards as a team, so that is nice. Where uh, some highlights on the defense were particularly, uh, I, I see a lot of potential still with this defense. Alex Highsmith had 14 and a half sacks. Fantastic breakout year for him uh, with TJ Watt injured for the first yeah. part of the season. Uh, T.J. Watt still walked away with five and a half sacks, uh, you know, after this kind of only playing 10 games in through injury and things like that. So, you know, glad that he's doing well now and, uh, you know, ended the season uh, with basically, you know, five sacks in the last seven games. And then Cam Hayward, a model of consistency on this defense, 10 and a half sacks for him. So I'm I'm. You know, very impressed with how this team was able to stay together. Very could have e- could have easily gone the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, I mean, it's yeah. it's not how you start; it's how you finish, man. And absolutely, that's a lot of momentum for a younger team. It's I mean, it gives you guys confidence for next season. I mean, you you can't be that you can't be that upset with the expectations set out in the beginning and the way guys rally. That's that's the beauty of the Steelers system: is everyone buys in, everyone believes in the system, and next man up kind of stuff you love to see it i mean that, that's the kind of stuff that really football should be about yep absolutely so i i look forward to uh you know seeing how they improve um but it's certainly going to be a tough division 
with, uh, you know, teams that are headlined by names like Burrow, uh, Lamar Jackson, and uh, and Deshaun Watson. So we will see. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of Deshaun Watson and his team, the Browns, Brent, what an absolutely abysmal, uh, to my <laughs> delight, my personal <laughs> delight, uh, what an abysmal season for them. Going 7-10, and ten, uh, you know, with – it's not like everyone expected them to, to just be, you know, magnificent, but – they I at least expected them to hold hold down the ship until Deshaun Watson, you know, was ready to play. And to his credit, to two players did show up on the offense, and that's Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper. Uh, Nick Chubb was in the you know top three, as he has been for the past, you know, several years in uh, mm-hmm. rushing yards and also put 12 touchdowns on the ground alone. So that is, you know, great for him. Uh, and then Amari Cooper had over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns through the air. So they showed up. They certainly yeah, showed up. Absolutely. Where where what didn't show up was the defense. Wow. I mean, they they didn't they had 34 sacks, which is pitiful for this defense. Uh a defense yeah. that and 16 of them were from Miles Garrett. So that tells you right there without him they <laughs> they would have been nothing. And Yeah. They, you know, they they barely eclipsed 10 interceptions. You know, on the year, this is not a defense that was playing well at all. And certainly their quarterback play, while, you know, Jacoby Brissett came in, did as well as he could, I think did as well as everyone kind of expected. But then Deshaun Watson came in and underwhelmed. I mean, I know he's been he's been away from actual <sighs> NFL play for a while for good reason, but underwhelming, and I don't know. I, I It's tough to say whether he's going to take a real – you know, significant step forward, especially when he took 20 sacks in six games. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that's I don't, I don't know. I don't know about it. Yeah. It's not, it's not a team I feel good about. Nah, Brown's going to Browns. Let's be real. Yep. Poorly run, poorly run team. Yeah. They need, I, really, I, in my, I mean, my estimation. You see what happened with you, David, with J David and Clowney talking yep. trash about, uh miles garrett and how he doesn't want to he's not going to resign with them and he thinks that they're just all they're doing is trying to pump miles garrett to get him into the hall of fame i mean that just says enough there guys don't want to be there they don't like playing with each other yeah i don't know they've never been a a a well-run organization but uh you know, I, I didn't expect uh, them to fall like this, but it is personally, uh, you know, wonderful. So um, <laughs> moving on to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, what a story. They start off seven and three, beating legitimate teams at first. Like it seemed like, you know, obviously they got, you know, absolutely blasted by the Bills early on and they did lose to the Giants. But the teams they beat. Uh, you know, at first seemed like they were going to be contenders, but ultimately we know now mm-hmm. we know now that the Colts, Raiders, and Commanders are all terrible. But yes, we you know at the beginning of the season there was still some hope, and then after that seven and three uh, you know start, they immediately lost uh, the remainder of their games. Uh, you know, lost seven in a row, uh, and <laughs> that it, it, it's unfortunate because the Titans seemed like. You know, maybe they were going to finally claw their way out of being, um, you know, uh, at least in the last 20 years, they've kind of just had these peaks and valleys more and and certainly Mm -hmm. more valleys than peaks. But Mm -hmm. I I think anyone who really paid attention last year knew that they were a shaky team. 
uh, for as well as they were playing, it kind of seemed like how how are they pulling this off? And now we see that, yeah, um, they 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 did not score. Uh, they didn't even cross 300 points scored in the uh, you know in the on the year. They could not mm-hmm. move the ball. They could not score. And now their quarterback situation is completely and utterly up in the air. Um, yeah. You know, the, Ryan Tannehill. They, they clearly they don't believe in him enough uh, to you know keep him going. I know he was on injured reserve. Uh, you know that he did get injured, but they were flip flopping him around even before then. I I do like that Josh Dobbs got you know a shot, um, and you know hopefully you know they give him more of a shot going forward. And then Malik Willis just really struggled. Uh, to gain any kind yeah. of footing as I mean I know he's a rookie and there were you know experience questions with him from before mm-hmm. uh, check back three episodes and you'll see my opinion on him but um, yeah he should not have been on the field this season nope. he was not ready the Titans didn't have faith in him either they did not design a lot of you could tell he was passing what like he had like 12 pass attempts 15 yeah. pass attempts a game yeah like and I get it they have Derrick Henry you can run the ball with him a ton but Eventually, you have to throw the ball, and if you have a guy behind yep. center, you don't have faith in him. Yep, and yeah. uh, and Derrick Henry, to his credit, still, uh, you know, he he reached over fifteen hundred yards. Uh, no surprise there, with thirteen touchdowns alone. Uh, he's just a generational talent, and and people got to. It, it's. I would wonder if he's going to stick around for that team, uh, you know, because there's certainly it kind of looks like they're headed toward a rebuild. They don't really have anyone that I'm super excited about on the offense. Uh, you know, maybe Traylon Burks, maybe, but it, it, it's tough to be excited about this Titans team right now on either side of the ball. Um, they've got a lot of work to do, and I don't know. I think they're headed toward a, a, a you know, a, a rebuild which is unfortunate given where they were last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on from them, we got the Colts, which is an even more disappointing uh, team. And they're, they're not even in the, the best of situations, in my opinion. They, they went 4-12-1 on the season. And we're talking about a team that you know has offensive weapons. They've mm-hmm. got the weapons. We're talking about a team with Jonathan Taylor. We're talking about Michael Pittman Jr. We've got – these are good players. And mm-hmm. they do not have – I mean, the quarterback play, They when they brought in Matt Ryan, everyone kind of hoped that he was going to be a little bit more consistent than, you know, Carson Wentz was or Phillip Rivers, um, you know, because Matt Ryan maybe had, you know, some years left on him. He's always been kind of a, a consistent quarterback. So, you know – <laughs> And that just didn't happen. He had uh, the worst year of his career, uh, 14 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, barely crossed 3,000 yards. And it's, again, it's tough to be excited about this team uh, other than, you know, Jonathan Taylor, other than Michael Pittman Jr. They don't really have the the explosiveness, you know, uh, uh, certainly under center. And their draft position, you got to wonder – is it going to happen for them? Because, you know, are they going to go another year trying to find a veteran? Do they give Matt Ryan another yeah. chance? Or oh. do they try to get one of the quarterbacks in this year's draft? Which, realistically, there are only two that I'm actually excited about. And that's, you know, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. You know, I know yeah. that Will Levis has been tied to the, to the Colts and Anthony Richardson. I'm not that stoked 
uh, about uh, those those last two, Will Levis and, and mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson. I don't think that they have mm-hmm. uh, the game changing uh, potential to turn to no. basically ignite, reignite uh, the offensive weapons on the Colts. And you really need you you actually need a a, a CJ Stroud or a uh, a Bryce Young, but I don't think they're going to get them. Even as high a draft pick as they're going to have, I think they're going to have like the fourth or fifth. Um, let me see here. I, or we can I can tell you definitively they're gonna have the fourth overall uh, pick, at least by win percentage. But the uh, I don't believe um, it, it's it's really gonna be. I don't I don't think they're gonna have it. I don't. I think the um, it just depends on who they get. That's at the end of the day. The, it, their draft, you know, if they are able to get. Because I think Bryce Young to the Texans is a foregone conclusion at this point. But if they're able to get C.J. Stroud, if they're able to get him, that's the kind of player that they need. Because it looks, I I think with the fourth pick, they might end up getting him because certainly the Cardinals are not going to take a quarterback. So, you know what? They may end up, now that I think about it, yeah, because look at that. The the Broncos played themselves out, uh, but they, and they've got Russell Wilson, so it didn't matter anyway. The Rams, you know, are still obviously still have Stafford. So, yeah, I think if in this draft, yeah, you barring a trade up. up to number one because I'm I'm almost certain the Bears are going to shop that number one because they don't need a quarterback. No, and they, they don't. Get a ton, but so. at the same time, the Cardinals could shop number three, the number three pick as well. But even mm-hmm. if if the if the everything stays as is right now, the Colts could get C.J. Mm-hmm. Stroud, and yeah. that would be that would be something. I, I would if they something. get C.J. Stroud, that's an offense I could see taken off. So mm-hmm. we, we'll keep an eye on them, and then the, uh, um, then we got to move into the. Uh, let's see here. That was the Colts, Texans, Texans. Fun, fun times. Here we go. Let me, uh, you know. So the Texans are in a unique position. They, I love how everyone said, "Oh, they played themselves out of the number one pick," as if they they needed it, because the Bears are not picking a quarterback like we just said. The Texans are going to walk away with what's expected to be uh, Bryce Young. Uh, so whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's uh, C.J. Stroud, they're in uh, they're in a good position to pick up you know their future franchise quarterback, and they do have some weapons. It, I'd say it's a little thin at wide receiver. Uh, Damian Pierce was a nice uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, surprise on the year, you know in the back half of the year, almost hitting a thousand yards uh, on the ground. So they they're intriguing. I think they've got yeah. high enough draft picks and uh you know a high enough potential that you know if they bring in a good coach you know from one of the ones that we the list that we mentioned they might be able to pull something out of just an absolutely atrocious afc south division so yeah, that division is up for grasp no matter what it yep. doesn't matter it's a few yep. pieces on any team and any team can win it exactly so houston's in a good spot let's uh now let's you know move to the uh afc west with the raiders raiders are not in a good spot they nope. they made the playoffs last year and they uh everyone kind of expected them to take the next step because they had uh they've got Devonte adams and then josh jacobs, a lot of money yeah the, a lot it's, of money and josh yeah. jacobs had uh the best season he's ever had and he was the best running back in the nfl if uh, going by yards and, and and touchdown share he had 1653 yards on the ground with 12 touchdowns that's very impressive very impressive yeah. uh, for for a quarterback or sorry for a running back 
that a lot of people were starting to write off. Things it just oh absolutely didn't seem like it was happening for him. And you know he played well. Derek Carr had uh, another Derek Carr season, which is about you know twenty five. He always typically averages between twenty five to twenty seven touchdowns, and you know between twelve and fifteen interceptions. And he did that again. So. He had himself another Derek Carr season, and it looks like the Raiders are going to move on from him, at least according mm-hmm. to everything that's kind of going on right now and all the rumblings and rumors, which is surprising because the Raiders don't have a high enough draft pick to go and get anyone significant. They're not going to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. And if they, if they think that Will Levis – or Anthony Richardson, kind of like we were saying with the Colts, if they think that one of those guys is going to be the savior of their program, they are in for <laughs> a rude awakening. You cannot yeah. waste a, a year of Devonte Adams, and who has you know had himself just a fantastic year, fifteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns. The man's a machine, as just always. Keeps on going, mm-hmm. but you cannot expect that a, a rookie quarterback or you know a hand. I don't even know what veterans are even going to be available to you. I wouldn't yeah. bet on this. I would keep Derek Carr if you can. He, if he's got years on his contract, yeah. I mean, I would keep he him. He knows the system. He's got rapport with Adams. I mean, he he can't waste time on a project. They don't have the time with the fucking money they've spent and the guys they have. They don't have the time. Agreed. Agreed. So, you know, and, and their defense – while they they have uh, you know now a, a new leader in Max Crosby, props to him for you know building upon the season uh, you know last season where he got a big contract and now he had an even better season this year, twelve and a half sacks, good for him. Uh, and they've got certainly got, I mean beyond him, it's 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 tough to say. They need help on on their uh, defensive line and uh, in their secondary, but you know of all the things that they they do not need an offensive shakeup right now. They really just no. need to stand pat un, until they can get you know, either a better pick, you know, at quarterback or they can find a long-term solution because outside of Derek Carr right now their options are limited. Uh moving forward in the AFC West, we have the Denver Broncos who eh, their situation's interesting. I they obviously Yeah, there's is. Yeah, they they had a big <laughs> splash big splash signing, right? Russell Wilson. mm mm-hmm. Mhm correct russell wilson then had the absolute worst season he's ever had in his career and it was puzzling to watch because yeah he walked in with what should have been a just a plethora of weapons i know mind you i know that the injury bug hit him it it really did javonta williams went down early melvin Mm -hmm. gordon you know had his ups and downs and latavius murray ended up being their their you know leading rusher, which kind of tells you what you need to know. But on the offensive, like the the weapons at the receiving court, they should have been fine. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, you know, Dolchich, they, they should have been okay, and they just weren't. Russell Wilson really didn't open up until the very last game of the year where he threw, you know, three touchdowns. Beyond that, it was just embarrassing to watch. There was even a, a, a tracker, uh, you know, on social media – tracking how many touchdowns he was going to have until he passed the number of bathrooms in his house. <laughs> yeah, for record for the record, awesome. he has tw- he has 12 <laughs> bathrooms in his house and it took him until basically the last 2 to 3 games to pass that number in in passing touchdowns. So that was uh it was this was surprising. Do I think that this is going to be 
do do we think that this is gonna be how it goes with him? I mean, he's only thirty four. Um, honestly, I didn't have a lot of faith in their coach. I mean, obviously from week one, you saw him; he made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, it's hack interesting it to see. Good. No, he he could not hack it. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh, one was but um. But yeah, it'll be you interesting. Only, you to only see get it. a couple more of those. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I'm not planning on bringing <laughs> many of those ones out. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they bring in a more experienced head coach who can I don't know tailor the offense to Russell Wilson's skills because they do have weapons. That's what confused me so much. Like, are Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy the two best wide receivers in the league? Are they in the top fifteen? Honestly, maybe top fifteen, but. They're not the most supreme talented, but they are two of a one-two combo that can be very effective. So. Question is: Is can they hold on to Jerry Judy? They've got a lot of money tied up, uh, you know, going forward, and Jerry Judy yeah. might be out of their price range at this point. They may have to find a replacement for him in the draft. Uh, so we'll see. I think I would let him walk and get another piece. To be honest uh, with you, I don't know yeah, that I tie myself up. I agree. I, I think he's been, uh, you know, he's been good, but uh, there are plenty of options out there. I think the wide receiver position in general is just kind of in a, it's experiencing a, uh, a boost over the last several years, and it doesn't seem like it's going down anytime soon. Russell Wilson is a good quarterback. It, I, I think there, there were a lot of reasons why it just didn't work for the Broncos this year, and coaching is very important. So I think you know, I know they're trying to woo a lot of uh, of coaches, uh, Sean Payton uh, among them. So we'll see. I don't know if uh, Sean Payton wants to, uh, you know, trade, uh, you know, kind of a rebuild in the with the Saints for, you know, not so much a rebuild, but you know, certainly a a losing team in the uh, you know in the Broncos. We will see. Um, it's it's really. I know they've talked about what the compensation package would look like, but. That's all we've gotten. So the the Broncos, for them to be successful, they need a they need Russell Wilson to show up. They need you know their run game to remain a little bit more consistent, and in uh, obviously a lack of injuries would uh, you know do do the most for that. And then their mm-hmm. defense, um, their defense needs they need improvement through the draft. I think they need to look take a long hard look, and uh, and really address uh, the their defensive line. And yes, and linebackers because they're they've got their secondary's great. Secondary's great. great. Secondary, yeah. yeah. Secondary's great. If they can shore up the uh, the you know the line, they uh, you know we could see a, a complete and utter turnaround uh, in the Broncos next year. Uh, next, let's take a look at. Uh, now we're going into the NFC. Let's start with the uh, the Commanders. Um, it, it this season was was weird for them they they've certainly uh you know they they were one of the teams that had an easier schedule and they didn't really do anything with it they went eight eight and one uh scoring while above you know 300 points it was largely inconsistent this one's going to be simple they need better quarterback play i think they need to cut wentz they need mm-hmm. to either stick with heineke or they need to throw in howell and and re- I know they gave Hal the reins on the last game, and he did passably. They really they you know, I think it's a wait and see year for them next year. Um, yeah. They need a better. Uh, they they had an overall good run game, 
uh, with the tandem back situation and Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson. But uh, they need and, – and obviously Terry McLaurin, he's, you know, he's a machine, 1,200 yards for him. Uh, they just need Jay more consistent Dotson. play. Jahan Dotson played pretty well, too, that yeah. when he was healthy. Unfortunately, missed a lot of time with some yep. hamstring injuries, I believe. But, I mean, they have pieces. Their defense still looks pretty dang good. It's just, yep. yeah, quarterback, quarterback. That's it. Yep, that's it. Lions. Uh, oh, man. Lions. Funky they, season they, for them, too, man. You know what, though? Funky season. They scored a lot of points. Scored a lot of points. They scored 453 points. That is magnificent. A lot of that due to Jamal Williams. Talk about a breakout season for him. 17 touchdowns on the ground, uh, over 1,000 yards. Really hope that they keep him and, and move forward. And then a resurgent year for Jared Goff, uh, we, yeah. who we refer, affectionately refer to as Goof. But, man, <laughs> 29 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, and nearly 4,500 yards. That's a great season. No other way and around And you know it. what? They got their guy, Aiden Hutchinson, looks like the real fucking deal. That yes, guy looks fantastic. He is a menace. Yeah, that line. could be your defensive rookie of the year right there. Nine and a half sacks uh, and uh, three interceptions. He, yeah. He's an absolute menace. Amon Ross St. Brown had a, break, a breakout year uh, uh, over 1,150 yards. Um, it, the Lions aren't exactly far away here from uh, competing. And, you know, they're nine and eight. They had a, a winning season. And I think that you stand pat here. You build up that you shore up the uh, the offensive line. You shore up the defensive. Uh, you know the it, specifically in the secondary, and yeah, uh, secondary. and then you're looking at a team that can compete uh, in a uh, surprisingly weak AFC or uh, NFC North. Uh, speaking of weak, uh, the Green Bay Packers, man, have they looked just? Uh, it's it's not been good. It's not been good. The the it's definitely a down year for Aaron Rodgers. Um, who, you know, coming off an MVP season, you know, practically triples his uh, interception uh, total. And just and it, losing Devontae Adams was way more uh, of a blow to them than they certainly anticipated, yeah. which, um, I mean, it's it's a no-duh kind of situation from us. But the, I, I think they they thought that Rodgers was, was going to create another receiver, maybe take the next step for Alan Lazard or Christian Watson, but it really did I not mean, materialize. Christian Watson had a good second half of the season. He had some pretty pretty unbelievable games. I yeah. think he could – he's not going to be Devontae Adams, but I think he's going to be a very solid, very good wide receiver. But yep. they did – they were very arrogant in, in gambling on that wide receiver room th this year, you know. Yep, they were arrogant, and uh, and it showed – so I, I, I think what you're, you're really looking for uh, with the Packers is you've got to shore up uh, the receiving core. You need to go out and draft a wide receiver. Uh, Aaron Jones is, and A.J. Dillon, I liked what they did with their rushing attack. That was pretty good, and uh, I hope that continues. Um, Aaron Jones, he's a hold on to the ball, though. He fumbled he the does. ball a lot. He, he did fumble a lot. He did. He had, uh, he, he had three important fumbles uh, particularly, in, uh, and uh, it was just it wasn't, it wasn't great to to watch you you didn't know uh what to expect out of him after a couple of years of consistency so hopefully he gets back to his normal self they uh the packers were not good on their defensive line they do need to shore that up and their secondary uh actually looked pretty decent um yeah jair just, alexander yeah pretty damn good corner i mean he locked down justin jefferson and that when he called him out that you know yep. their second yep. meeting Jerry Alexander so. and Razul uh, Douglas also. Razul Douglas, yeah. yeah. They've got a, a one-two combo there that is uh, uh, tough to beat. 
but they they need help on their uh, defensive line because besides Preston Smith, I I couldn't even you know maybe Rashawn Gary <laughs> if you want to be generous, but beyond that, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look great. Uh, Chicago, who secured themselves the number one overall pick in the uh, upcoming draft, uh, oh. they actually. It's not exactly, uh, you know, uh, something to freak out about for uh, for Chicago. Chicago found their quarterback. They've had the, Justin Fields was kind of a question mark. And I think he was a question mark, certainly for me. I think that when they brought him in and his rookie year was abysmal, I really thought that they had swung and miss, missed on uh, on a quarterback and that they would be in the quarterback sweep sweepstakes, you know, going into this year. And then this man rushed for over 1,100 yards on the ground, put – eight touchdowns to it and then had himself a halfway decent year through the air 17 touchdowns and 11 interceptions he improves upon that and keeps the run game just kind of around the same numbers this is a dangerous quarterback so Mm -hmm. going in and knowing that you have your quarterback solves a lot of problems they but i'll tell you what the problem they have the most in is that is man wide receiver they've got nobody they darn them your tight end cannot be your leading receiver when he has less than 600 yards you need to have your main guy Claypool obviously when they got him through the season he wasn't that guy they haven't really gone to him as much as I thought they would they need to go find someone through the draft uh and but but I will say they've got a a, a veritable combo they rush for over 3,000 yards on the ground that's the story of the of the Chicago Bears since the end of time you know, or since mm-hmm. the beginning of time, it's it's rushing. You know, they they've got that locked down. Their defense is awful, awful. Oh yeah, Terrible. they they barely hit twenty sacks on the year. They have nobody on that line. They need to address it immediately. And oh, look at that! The two best players coming into this draft are Jalen Carter and uh, and uh, oh man, his name escapes me. Will Williamson. Anderson. There Will we go. Anderson. So. Uh, you know Anderson sorry uh though if they grab either one of those players that is revolutionary for their uh, defense they need to do that which uh, everyone expects them to um and then their their secondary is actually not that terrible they just need to get better uh, more consistent with uh, pass deflections but they do have the splash play potential you know with uh, Eddie Jackson Kyle oh, Gordon yeah, Eddie Jackson you know mm-hmm. so they they they've got their guys they just need to you know be a little bit more you know, losing Ra- Raquan Smith was huge, and yeah, I mean ne- they've let some stellar players go through that that yep. fucking defense, man. I mean, obviously Khalil Mack a couple seasons ago. They've um, let they've let a lot of players go, and they need to rebuild. Yeah, but they have the opportunity yeah. to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in in this draft to start. Uh, next after the Bears, we got the Panthers. Oh, Panthers! What a situation for them too. Not yeah. not horrible enough to secure uh, a top, you know, four or five, you know, pick, but not good enough to make the playoffs. They are in a situation that I don't really know how you solve that situation. I know they drafted, uh, you know, a quarterback <sighs> last grow. year, yeah. and they and, and obviously they tried the Baker Mayfield experiment that didn't work. Sam Darnold didn't work. P.J. Walker didn't work. They I don't know what they're gonna do you know going forward luckily uh a surprise did uh burst forward after after they dealt McCaffrey it was kind of like is this you know run game just gonna plummet but Deonta uh, to Foreman really mm-hmm. uh burst through and was a surprise uh almost eclipsed yeah. a thousand yards uh you know it, you know once they turned to him um Chubba Hubbard uh was a kind of a uh, Chuba Hubbard 
my goodness. Chuba Hubbard. I, you know, uh, I'm not even, nope, we're not even going to address it. Chuba Hubbard uh, <laughs> <laughs> had a secondary effect, uh, you know, a little one-two punch there, which was uh, nice to see. And then uh, receiving, uh, beyond DJ Moore, they've got nobody, nobody at all. Yeah. So they really do have to address that. Uh, defensively, Brian Burns uh, was a defensive stalwart for them, but, uh, you know, nearly had half of their uh, half of their sacks, and then they're, they, they've just got nobody. Uh, besides, I mean, maybe J.C. Horn in the in the secondary, yeah. but J.C. Horn played pretty well. He played pretty well, but beyond him, it's uh, it doesn't look great in the secondary. They've got a lot of work to do, and it's going to take a few yeah. years for them to even be relevant. <sighs> yeah, you know, I think that they can't they can't risk trading up. They can't lose. They nope. can't lose assets. Nope. No. And at this point, they're going for a new coach too. So, you know, we'll see how they even. I, uh, Man, I honestly think they should just keep Steve Wilkes. I think he's done a damn good job. I think his kind of hard-ass fucking way he runs the ship is kind of what they need, at yep. least to bridge. And if it doesn't work out, then at least you have a culture. Yep, I feel it. I feel it. Moving on to uh, the what's probably the worst situation in the NFL by far is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, <laughs> they, I mean, talk about a team that really needed to tank and then didn't. Uh, they they went seven and ten, but they have. I mean, th- to give you just a little bit of an insight, their their um, cap space for next year is negative fifty six million. So they have so much money tied up in guys. Yeah, they they don't have anywhere to go. It's no wonder Sean Payton wanted out, and they at this point, you know, they have to rally around Andy Dalton as their quarterback, which not exactly a terrible situation because he played halfway decent when he was on the field. But it's it's not looking good um, for the foreseeable future. It is not looking good. Alvin Kamara it was a non-factor, even though he could kind of move the ball on the ground. Chris, uh, I will say the one bright spot uh, is Chris Olave. Um, oh, yeah. Had over 1,000 mm-hmm. yards through the air. Nice to see him uh, succeed in his rookie season. But uh, beyond him, nothing. They've got nothing and nobody. And uh, their defense actually did surprise, though. I will say they almost eclipsed 50 sacks uh, on the season. So they do have consistency on their defensive line, uh, It's but their secondary is atrocious. They Yeah, they lost a lot of guys because they just couldn't pay them. I mean, Gardner Johnson went to the Eagles. Yep. Um, somebody else left. I can't Lattimore. They, yeah. Uh, it, well, he's just uh, out. But, oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. He's yeah. Just so they didn't he, even he, have him. But I'm saying they, yeah. they lost guys whether to trade yeah. or whether or, yeah. or injury. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's not looking good for them, and I don't see them. Uh, if we could be having the same conversation in five years. So the Saints, <laughs> uh, this is a situation where the a team gambled and lost, and they lost. So uh, yes. at this point it will be a yearly check-in for them, but I don't expect them to do uh, practically anything. Uh, you know, at least in terms of improving their situation, they may win. They could come out because it's any given Sunday, but I don't. They're not going to be right. able to make any moves. They have no money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fal- the Falcons. I I don't know what to make of the Falcons. If I'm going to be honest, I know they're rebuilding. I know they're pushing forward. They are gonna. I, they're expected to get rid of Mariota after kind of a an average below average season, and to re- you know relieve in mu- to relieve some you know cap space. Because um, they did turn to Desmond Ritter for the final four games, and he, uh, you know, did as as well as he could. Uh, it was kind of, you know, the whole team was was just abysmal to watch. 
But I uh, think they're playing for Caleb Williams next year. They may be. be. They they may be. Their rushing game. They did have a thousand yard rusher in Tyler uh, Algier. Um, and uh, but no real movement. Um, they did have 17 touchdowns on the ground because Cordero uh, Patterson did at eight. Uh, so they had, they had a veritable one-two punch. But beyond that, uh, they didn't really have much. Drake London played as well as he could on a situation, you know, on a team that basically didn't have, uh, you know, a consistent quarterback play coming from them. Um, he almost had 900 yards, so props to him for that. But uh, you talk about a, an absolutely abysmal defense in every single phase uh, of the game. No, no, uh, you know, secondary to speak of. Maybe if you want to say AJ Terrell, um, but no splash plays made, and you know, barely eclipsed twenty sacks. They are in a still a full rebuild, and uh, you know, it's tough to it's tough to see what to like about this situation, other than you know, maybe playing for the future. Mm. And uh, you know, talk about a situation that just you know was. (laughs) <laughs> really unfortunate to see the the Rams. I mean, holy hell! Talk about a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl hangover. hangover. Yeah. This is not even. This wasn't even a hangover. They're still drunk. I mean, l- this is a <laughs> team that like it was expected to to take a step back, but not this kind of step back. Matthew Stafford, you know, he, he injury concerns up and down the board. I mean, he he end, ended up going uh, uh, to injured reserve to the point that people were asking him if he was going to retire. Because it's a neck injury, we all know how those go. Ask oh, Peyton, yeah. ask Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. You know, w- w- there are injury concerns with the neck; it gets serious fast. So he doesn't plan on retiring, but you know, it's it's tough. It, hopefully, he comes back and has himself a you know a resurgent season and is yeah. able to make. I a don't full think recovery. he was healthy at any point this whole year. I think no. he came into the season hurt. I think he was literally hurt the whole season. Yeah, he was, and so they turned to uh, you know late season uh, acquisition in Baker Mayfield, who had you know. Flashes of brilliance, but ultimately nothing to add to their uh, ailing offense yeah. and yeah. rushing game. Run was, game sucked. Yeah, the run game was non-existent, and uh, which and then Cooper Cup went on. You know, he was having himself just a regular, you know, Cooper Cup season. Yeah, but which is fantastic. But then he uh, ended up on injury reserve himself, and, then and so did Allen Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Allen Robinson went down, and just uh, no one else could pick up the slack. And their defense was uh, took a really big step back. I mean, yeah, their secondary was pretty good. Jalen Ramsey's Jalen Ramsey, so you uh, he's always in the upper conversation. But you know, can they afford him going forward? Tough to say. But they're uh, they had a lot of injuries on defense as well, and uh, just bar- you know didn't hit forty sacks for for a championship team. Uh, you know, it just it really was a significant step back, and now they have questions going forward of whether they can even get back to the the season that they, you know, competed, you know, are they even going to get back to competition because they have a lot of money tied up in these guys and, and, you know, the Sean McVay situation. Yeah. Now, the Sean McVay. Now he's, now he's kind of just saying, Oh, well, maybe I'll come back, but I kind of want to go to TV. I don't want to coach till I'm 60. I want to blah, 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 which is like, now they're just leaving this team in limbo. Cause now free agent attractions, yep. just resigning guys, you know, and it's a mess. Yep, it is an absolute mess, and uh, I don't know. I don't know where they go. I mean, I I don't even have at this point. You have to shore up the injuries first before we right. can even have a conversation about what do they do, because yeah. on paper they should be fine, but mm-hmm. you know it, it. It's such a question of you know if Ma- Matthew Stafford checking in on his health is going to be step one, 
because yeah. that's a major injury and if if he comes back and he can play at the you know close to the same level he's been playing his whole career then we have a conversation then then maybe we'll be okay you know maybe you'll be mm-hmm. oh fine he, he is 34 but it's it's a it's a tough injury so we you know it's a mess of a situation but it really uh you know depends on their their injured players and finally as we started uh with the the cardinals we will also end with them connor <sighs> take us uh you know dive us in it's just a lot, a lot of, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, this is a move that will dictate at least the next five years. Cause obviously the money's locked up in Kyler. We have to cater to him, which means getting him more weapons, which I don't know. I feel like we've been doing that since he's been there. Um, like my main issue, like looking at like, just to comparing to the Steelers, right? You guys have a nice top from the top owner down to the coaches. Everyone has the same vision the owner yeah, the says i want yeah i want my defense to always be good and we want to run the ball and then the gm goes i'm gonna find those guys that do that and then the coach says i'm gonna you know find the way to get these guys that you got into the right position we haven't been that way and now our owner is becoming very hands-on so yeah it's it's a lot it's a it's a weird situation and if it needs to be the right guy who can deal with that. And that's tough to find because now you're managing personalities now. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's a lot. You, I mean, uh, everyone kind of hoped that James Conner was the right situation in the run game. He's been kind of up and down. Um, yeah. Obviously you have Kyler Murray to offset that on a normal year, but you know, Kyler coming back and him being, you know, healthy. I mean, he just had an ACL tear. So him being healthy is yeah. step one and then getting him, I think a, a, a better question needs to be it's not so much getting him the weapons. It's are you getting him the right weapons? Because if yes. you take a look, you were just talking about the Steelers. The Steelers, everyone kind of knows now that the Steelers draft really well in wide receiver. And that's mm-hmm. why they're comfortable letting guys go over the years, you know, it, it, because they, they, they know that they're able to scout these guys coming in. The Cardinals need to take a look at their scouting in and really bring in the right weapons that are going to mesh with Kyler Murray. I know he's a big personality, but if you and but at, like you said, it starts from the top down. If you can bring in a head coach that is, you know, c- that can control the room, you could very easily turn this team that went four and thirteen. You can you could almost get close to flipping that around and have a double digit win team mm-hmm. if you get the right coach in the room. So we'll keep, they they certainly have money to play and you know and you know jj watt is coming off the books he's retiring and if you replace him with yeah. say a jalen carter or an anderson you yep. you may be able to uh you know you may be able to have a um you know a good replacement for on defense and then just shore up the uh, uh the secondary and suddenly you know you're you're not far away from competing again in a division that is surprisingly open yeah I mean, it's hard because you know you slam your head against the, you know, against the wall. With, just because there is talent on the team, it yep. just it's yeah. Kingsbury just did not have control of. Nope. I think managing personalities, getting everyone on the same page, and that his, was what was hard to watch. I think more than everything. Yep, and uh, and unfortunately, you know, his his coaching career in the NFL kind of mirrored his his uh, coaching career in college, which was start fast and then just drop off. And so, terribly, yeah. You know, full rebuild uh, in terms of the top level organization for the Cardinals, but not yes. at the player level, which is interesting. So, right. you yeah. know, that you can obvi- you can pick up really fast, uh, you know, if you get the right situation. 
moving forward this is a mega episode uh, folks just to remind you you know it kind of a we're basically you know almost a, not even you know maybe like a third of the way through this episode because we've got a lot to talk about it's a mega update you know this is going to be monthly so we're going to move into baseball now because baseball there's been a lot of uh, a lot going on with recent signings and you know ever since the astros won the uh, the the world series it's kind of been you know uh, a free-for-all on shortstops and pitchers uh, you know, recently, um, you know, just just to name some players that did recently sign uh, long term deals like Dansby Swanson signed a seven year deal with the Cubs. Uh, you know, Andrew Benatendi signed a five year deal with the White Sox. Uh, Rafael Devers signed an 11 year deal to stay with Boston, which was I mean, that that particular situation. They, there's no other way. They had to do that. They had to mm-hmm. keep him. Uh, from leaving Boston is, you know, in a, a tentative spot with their their stars. They've watched players come and go, so they needed to make that. And uh, you know, it was a bit of a knee jerk re- knee jerk reaction there. Uh, so I don't know if it's if it warranted the you know the length of deal that he got, but they didn't have a choice. No. They didn't have a choice. And they Carlos Correa, yeah. uh, who was the biggest story of the last few weeks, uh, you know, he had this 13-year deal lined up with the uh, the Giants, but uh, it uh, the Giants backed out because of questions uh, with his medical, you know, uh, basically, I love the way that they phrased it. It was a difference of opinion, um, and they haven't really, alu- there hasn't been really an explanation, a, a good explanation anyway, released on, you know, what it really was, what, what difference of opinion in what because the, he has had a variety of injuries to his thumb, his ribs, his wrist. It's, he's dealt with over the years. And so clearly he didn't pass the Giants' expectations in that physical, but he flipped to the Mets. Um, but even that's up in the air. Mm-hmm. He still so, hasn't signed. Yeah, he has not officially signed. Officially signed, yeah. yes. But he is, so, uh, as of right now, he's with the Mets organization. Uh, but will he sign is the, is the question. And then the biggest story of uh, baseball right now is Trevor Bauer. Uh, he was officially released by the Dodgers, and his career is possibly over. Um, we, I, we've mentioned it before, uh, Trevor Bauer, there were allegations of sexual assault. Um, ultimately, the, uh, the Los Angeles, uh, you know, the courts, they, they did not find, the county DA did not find enough uh, evidence to bring charges, which is not the same as being found innocent, um, but it's also not being found guilty either so uh it's you know the the evidence kind of released uh you know all across the board it's not so much that it uh you know you know uh, he's not again he's not innocent but he's not guilty he's in that kind of limbo because we we haven't seen every piece uh, of info that we could but uh the dodgers made what essentially is a safe play uh, yeah. by by releasing him uh, there's nothing mm-hmm. really to gain by keeping him on the roster um, they didn't have him when he was suspended last uh, this past season so uh, makes sense to just uh, designate designate him for assignment eat the 22 million and uh, and move forward but the question is mm-hmm. is his career over uh, I think so I th- yeah there's gonna be a lot of morality juggling between any team that signs him at this point. Let's be real. There's gonna be a lot of explanations. Well, just it, because of where it's at, you know, well, right? That's that's just the way it is. Well, yeah, he's he's you know he's removed from play now, um, and you know that he has been since he got suspended, um, 
and the question, you know, so can he still play at a high level? But even if he can, is it enough to overcome the inevitable uh, bad press that you're going to get from Correct. signing him? And I, I, I don't think it is in any situation. Whether you, whether yeah. or not you believe he is innocent or guilty, um, the the fact right now is that his career is – well, not the fact, but the opinion at least right now is that his career is probably over. Um, but and then you know, right, wrong, or indifferent—that's that's just how it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sh- I know he's you know been talked about suing whoever and and whatever to you know you know g- keep relevant. But um, at this point, um, his his days in the MLB are prob- are likely over. Um, going forward to talk about kind of the the you know what we did with the NFL, just talk about the top teams and the bottom teams. Um, you know, with the Astros, they won the World Series. It is what it is. They yeah. they erased any kind of question, not erased it, but they 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 yeah. certainly took away a lot of questions from their their season that they were cheating, um, and they went out and legitimately yeah. won a uh, a World Series. So you know, at that point, they're the undisputed champs right now, and you know everyone's got to take aim at them. So nothing really to talk about them. Uh, they they did lose Verlander, though. They did lose Verlander, uh, who had a, a resurgent season. Resurgent season, but uh, he's he's over forty, so it's it's really tough to think that he would have kept right. that level, that you know Cy Young level, um, you know going forward. And Houston, this is uh, them being this good is just the culmination of years of being the worst team in the league. So mm-hmm. they've accumulated picks and accumulated you know talent all across the board, and now they're reaping the rewards. Um, you, know, all, you know, another team at the top, but uh, missing the mark a bit, was the Yankees. They just, obviously, they re-signed Judge and made a ton of splash plays over the the course of, uh, you know, this season and last season, or, or sorry, this offseason mm-hmm. and last offseason. So they'll be competing. Can they take that next step is the question. They scored a lot of runs. They did. They scored, I believe, the second most uh, runs in uh, in the entire uh, in Major League Baseball behind the Dodgers. And the question is, can they take that next step? It's it's I don't I don't know if I see it. To be honest, I think they're they the Yankees typically run into a we like they score a lot, and that's about it. It's you know, a consistency issue. Their yeah. bats were very, very hot in the beginning of the year. They always seem to do it. Judge, Stanton, whomever come mm-hmm. out. They score a ton of runs. And then right as the playoff race starts to heat up, their bats go cold. Yep. And then and that's they, it. Well, that's because the Yankees have historically, in at least in the last 20 years, sacrificed a batting average for power. And mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that's changing anytime soon. Uh, the Guardians – are a team that were kind of kind of surprised everyone a little bit uh, this mm-hmm. season uh, with where they are. They didn't score a lot of runs. Uh, it, it, they did, but they also didn't. They gave up just a lot. They gave up a lot. They the fact that they won ninety two games was a bit of a surprise to me, uh, but they ended the season really well. So they have to score more runs. They have to get more consistency out of their bats if they're going to you know remain consistent. And they need to invest in pitching as well because. Not for nothing, but, you know, th- it's not exactly like they've got y- everything figured out, you know, besides, you know, Ma- Bieber. You know, Shane, Shane Bieber's Bieber. fantastic, obviously, and, and they've had surprises here and there, but they, 
you know, they need to be more consistent. You know, the Tristan McKenzie was great, had a great mm-hmm. season. You know, Cal Quantrill, great, had a great season. But they need uh, more consistency out of the guys behind Bieber to really, you know, if McKenzie can keep at the level he, he achieved, maybe they've got it. But they also need defensive uh, help in the in, in the field. Yeah. So the, um, now in the yeah, NL, of Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Or, or I'm sorry, we're still in the AL. That's right. Yeah, be Jose Ramirez, of course. But um, and uh, you know the bottom three teams in the AL: Detroit. Whew, I don't even. You, you almost don't even want to touch that situation with a you know ten foot pole at this point. They don't. Yeah. They don't have a lot going for them. They don't even have a you know, uh, uh, someone who can consistently bat over 250. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Harold Castro, and uh, you know, and it, he had a decent year at, at first base, but you're you're sacrificing so much, and Javier Baez really, you know, couldn't uh, – he, he experienced a, a steep drop-off, you know, over, this, over the last you know, few years. Yeah. It's, it's not looking good for Detroit. They have to rebuild, um, and – you know, at this point, all they've got going for them is keep, is you know, just keep pumping up uh, Miggy's stats so we can get into the uh, the MLB upper echelon. Um, you know, he's he he passed five hundred yard uh, five hundred home runs, uh, uh, you know, last year. So at this point, or two years prior, at this point, just keep pumping him up. You know, he had a thousand, he had uh, over a hundred hits. You know, he's in the he's in the three thousand club. It's all you've got to look forward to as a Detroit fan at this point. Uh, the Royals, Royals are such a weird team for me because I feel like we're always talking about them as this scrappy, you know, team that can can really play and really win games, you know, with players like Bobby Witt Jr. and uh, you know Melendez and, and Dozier, and, and 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 yet time and time again they just underperform, they underwhelm, and you know, and obviously Bobby Witt Jr. is a you know a rookie, but you know he fits their. Uh, he fits their model completely of this scrappy team. It do they just? I feel like they just need to get out of their own way and actually spend some money. That's that is the funny thing about baseball, right? Is like obviously there are all in any of these sports, there's small market and big market teams, but you see it the most in baseball where these guys are like, "Fuck it, we don't want to spend the money. Let's just you know get these rookies, yeah. and then once they're kind but, of getting to the end of their contracts. We but there's them, a we solution for that. We've seen it. <laughs> they made a movie yeah. out of it. We yeah. we've seen you can as long as long as you can get on base and find guys that can do that, you can have a good team for not a lot of money. But it seems like the the Royals just don't want to do that, but they also don't no. want to spend and they let great guys go year after year and for every good season they have, it's like they've got an equal and opposite bad season to go with it. And I don't know where they go from here. It's it's tough to even to look. Yeah, build off Bobby Wood Jr. Obviously had a great rookie season, and you know you want to you want to build on him and, and build through the draft. But you know it's like your pitching wasn't that great either. You nope. know it's abysmal. Yeah, Brady Singer, sure, okay, he had a he had a decent season, but you know behind him, who do you got? Daniel Lynch, yeah. no. Brad Keller, no. Granky, dead. He's he's yeah. over. It's it's like it's, yeah. at this point you you've got nothing. So <laughs> it's unfortunate. Uh, and then even more unfortunate, and talk about a team that just I mean we were literally we literally just said they made a movie about it, and it was about the freaking A's that a team that could find winning winners that you know 
everyone had overlooked, and the A's just give up every single player that comes through their organization that has any sort of success, the A's shop them. And the fact that they traded Matt Olson and Matt Chapman in one season, yes. they're legitimate two best players. And I don't two know. very it, good players in general. It, I don't know if it's a conceded effort or a concerted effort, rather, to get the A's uh, to Las Vegas, which is, seems like what their ownership wants. But Possibly. at this point, they just keep, you know, they just keep shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again. And this is an organization that n- no one should be really excited to <laughs> to watch play because it, you don't have you don't have a front office that cares about your team, and that is unfortunate. You know. Yeah. It, but at this point. You know, hopefully, it maybe if they get what they want and they go to Vegas, maybe they'll start to turn it around. But until something happens with the with the front office, it's going to continue to be a fire sale every year for the A's. And uh, you know, it, it, it's it's just hard to watch. But over in the National League, at the top, you've got the <laughs> Dodgers, who many expected to just win the World Series outright. But we know in baseball and in all sports, that's not how it works. They had a lot of players to be excited about uh, in in the regular season. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts all had great seasons, particularly those first two, Turner and Freeman, just magnificent seasons to uh, to almost 200 hit seasons for uh, for both of them and uh, 21 home runs apiece. Really fantastic, you know, offense, the highest scoring offense in uh, Major League Baseball and the lowest runs so the uh, scored against them. So they had the best offense and the best defense in uh, Major League Baseball. But uh, that's, you know, hey, doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. It's all what happens in the playoffs. And they uh, ultimately could not make it through. Pitching was a concern and mm-hmm. uh, remains a concern now that Tyler Anderson is over with the Angels. Uh, and, you know, now we still got plenty of pitching talent with the Dodgers. Dodgers are the, the one team in the MLB that everyone knows, hey, they can breed pitchers. They always have. They always will, it, it, at least for the foreseeable future. Kershaw's back on another year deal, and he uh, didn't exactly – he was, wasn't exactly playing bad. He had himself a no. good regular season. Gonsolin, before he got hurt, was looking like the Cy Young frontrunner. Julio Urias probably should have won the Cy Young, but uh, if it wasn't for Phenom uh, over in uh, you know Miami um, – the 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 phenomenal play over in Miami, um, <laughs> but uh, you know they've they've got Walker uh, Bueller though yes Walker Bueller is a question John. mark that is going to be an interesting to see yeah. if he really pitches this year but obviously now Dustin May is back so he's going to kind of fill that yep Dustin May is a fireballer and he and hopefully he'll have a you know a really good season coming back Walker Bueller is probably going to be uh, gone for the remainder of the season healing um, but. That it's the same old story with the Dodgers, but obviously they did lose Trey Turner. They did lose uh, Justin Turner, and uh, you know they didn't replace uh, Trey Turner at shortstop. They're going to move Gavin Lux, who earned it. I will say he has earned a shot at shortstop, um, and they'll probably move Max Muncie over to uh, second base and uh, give their uh, you know, a farm system shot to, uh, you know, someone in the farm system for third base. Um, but it's they're going to ha- they're going to experience a step back, you know, but I don't anticipate that it's going to be anything that would prevent them from competing. 
Uh, Mookie Betts, for all intents and purposes, I mean, yeah, he had a career high in home runs, but he had a down year in average. He's probably going to have a, a you know a little bit better of a season next season, and you know it's really about can you know uh, Cody Bellinger also walked or, or they let him walk over to uh, mm-hmm. you know the Cubs Chicago. and they did just sign mm-hmm. J D Martinez to fill that void at DH. So we, you know it, it, there's a que- there's question marks, but nothing that the Dodgers haven't handled before, and uh, I you know certainly expect them to remain competitive. Uh, the Braves. Uh, also, you know, the second best team in the NL, you know, really good, uh, offensive scoring not so much on defense, but they did, uh, you know, have phenomenal, uh, pitching, uh, you know, with, with Kyle Wright, uh, r- really dominating Spencer Strider, Max Freed, Charlie Morton, yeah. every, their pitching looks fantastic and they've got, you know, plenty to be excited about even you know obviously they did lose Dansby Swanson uh to the Cubs but uh you know they they Grisham yep and but they have they have a lot to be excited about you know with Austin Mm -hmm. Riley who had a just a a magnificent season uh and Marcelo Zuna who yeah he was uh, there was some injury concerns but he's probably going to be back uh you know uh hopefully better than ever and then uh, Ronald Acuna who had himself a down season with injuries as well, but he'll be back. So they, they there's plenty to like, and they're they're built for the future. Um, the Mets now there. This is going to be the interesting story because the Mets really do look like they could just take a swing at the entire NL and much much less the entire league next year. Mm-hmm. They've spent big money, big big money. They're going for it. Obviously, they have their their some of their uh, key players locked up in Lindor and Alonzo but they've they've really gone after some big names and you know if the Carlos Correa deal goes through you know they've yeah. they, lo- they got Verlander on the pitching side and uh and they locked down uh, they've still locked down Scherzer so they they have you know if they can get good years out of Scherzer and Verlander and uh, obviously their their boy in Chris Bassett if they can get good years out of them and combine it with the batting that they've got, the batting prowess they've got, they could be really, really dominant. So I, I wouldn't bet against them, to be honest. And I know there's a team we're not talking about right now because uh, that, it, that we probably should, which is the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm, uh, yeah. Because I know they were, they're not one of the top teams by regular season, but they were in the World Series. And they mm-hmm. did acquire Trey Turner to add mm-hmm. to their, you know, just fantastic, you know, uh, array of hitters in, you know, Kyle Schwarber and Castellanos and Real Muto and uh, and obviously uh, Bryce Harper. So it's going to be, you know, it, it's looking like a great season for them as well. Um, going into the bottom of the NL, the Pittsburgh Pirates continue to underwhelm uh, in just about every thing. Their only bright spot is Brian Reynolds. And mm-hmm. and maybe uh, Cabrian Hayes as well. I'd say those Cabrian two. Beyond Hayes, yeah, those yeah, two, yeah. tough to be excited about really anything. Um, and I don't. They again, that's another organization that just doesn't have the support of its front office. It doesn't have. No. Every time they get a player, they shop him, and it's mm-hmm. you know, it, it's tough to to really be excited and really get pumped up for a team when your organization doesn't have your back. So. 
yeah. the Pirates are among that. S- the Reds, uh, man, they dropped off. They had, uh, after experiencing a couple years of relevancy, they've really taken a step back. And, uh, I mean, it's it's tough to be they, – they, they didn't score much, and they gave up a ton of runs. That's the story. It, they don't really have yeah. any pitching prospects to be that excited about. And they don't uh, – you know, maybe – I don't know. It, they gave, they dealt Castillo, so yeah. mm-hmm. they've got no one. They've got no, nothing to really be excited about, and even less to be excited about over in uh, you know where I live over here in the the East with DC. The Nationals just look abysmal, and yeah, they're depressing. They're yeah, it's depre- depressing. They they can't they can't score. They can't they they give up runs left and right. And it's seen, and it's another organization where I'm actually like not certain where their heads at. It, it's one thing to look at the Pirates and the A's and go those or, those organizations have front offices that are hostile to their to their system, like mm-hmm. legitimately hostile, where they just actively want to give players away. The Nationals seemed like they were building something that, that we're, we're within five years of them winning the World Series. Yeah, yeah, and that's crazy. And yet they've given away Josh Bell, Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, Bryce Harper. They've just let all of them go in one way or another, and it's it's just disappointing. Which is crazy to think about because how many of those guys are, are technically generational talents, right? I mean, most of A them of could them. be considered that in one way or another. I mean, minus like Josh Bell, but... Still, uh, but still not not, but it's still a great player. But still a great I player. Mean, Juan Soto, you, generational player. Scherzer, generational hitter. I mean, pitcher Bryce Harper, generational hitter. Like Trey yeah. Turner is Trey the, Turner. probably the best shortstop in the league right now. Yeah, it's just it like, it, it is mind blowing that they've let these players walk for basically nothing. The Dodgers went to go get Scherzer and walked away with Trey Turner as well in yeah. in a deal that everyone was like, "What just happened?" Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Like. They didn't get practically. Yeah, they didn't get practically anything for him. Yeah, I mean Josiah Gray was like the main linchpin, but like even he's not. He's still not ready, and he might no. not be ready. He he might be a relief pitcher. You know, maybe he'll be he, a good he, relief pitcher. I don't it, know. It's it's tough. It's tough to to be again. It's tough to be excited, which is really unfortunate for a team that won a World Series. You know, in 2019. So I just don't understand where their heads at. And I, I personally, I just don't even know wh- where they go from here. You, you, you need to stop letting talent walk. You need to start paying players, a- at the very yeah. least. Uh, just to owners, if the can, owners can get in their heads that it's like you want to fill out seats, you need to have a reason to show up. Well, until they do that, they're gonna you know continue uh, to be you know just absolutely awful. Which you know. <sighs> That's that's the story there. <laughs> Moving into <laughs> basketball. Now let's talk about the NBA, which uh, the NBA is an interesting one for for me because I just I'm not excited about it this year even though we're seeing historic scoring. Um yeah, I think this, man. we have to talk I mean, about that at the top of the game. What they, didn't they uh, articles are being run right now uh, among sports journalists that like a bunch of I mean more than a handful of players are scoring 50 point games. I mean, yeah, we had we had Donovan Mitchell score what seventy one a couple 71. weeks ago. Yeah. Luca had that sixty point twenty rebound game or whatever, and then, or was it the sixty? He had a sixty point triple double with twenty rebounds. And then yeah, ridiculous. obviously guys just scoring fifty points like it's nothing. So I, 
is this I, the, is this the end? Is this the end? like okay? There have been questions. Uh, you know, uh, I I don't think I've ever seen more contention between players and officiate officiating than in basketball because you know with the NBA because it just seems like players aren't allowed to it feels like good defense is discouraged yeah absolutely I mean the fact that they had to change which was funny because when when they changed a lot of those you know bullshit head fake rules to like draw fouls and stuff like that we thought okay defenders can play defense again you know but yeah it seems like maybe that guy's already written off yeah it seemed they'd already written off like all right who cares about defense anyway like it hasn't materialized it just hasn't materialized and i don't look there's always been a a a focus on offense in the uh in in pretty much all sports that's where the is where you see the scoring that's what is is exciting but defense in the nba is one of those sports it's it's just behind the NFL, I'd say, because the NFL you can make splash plays and there's a lot of hype. But yeah, the NBA, exactly. they're they're right there as well. Good defense is is actively celebrated in the NBA, and it just feels like it's going away slowly because you can't properly defend. Maybe I don't know. I think we should dive into that, you know, in in its own episode at some point because, you know. Are, the question does have to be asked: Are we going to see, you know, these these teams just up their game and scoring and scoring and scoring and watch, you know, opposing teams uh, regularly score? Now, I mean, the average is like 115 points a game that is scored against teams in the NBA. That that just wasn't the case, you know, maybe 20 years ago. You know, you you have right. to. It's gone up and up and up and up, and it's easy to say that. Well, we've seen a lot of generational talent come through, but the NBA has always had a steady stream of that. You know, there's never been a down period in the NBA that I can think of, except for you know. Okay, how about this? Pre, maybe pre uh, like the, uh, before the '80s. Since the '80s, everything's been a steady stream of talent. Since the NBA became mm-hmm. just w- really truly became. A center, a main sport, right? You know, with a focus in the country, there's been a steady stream of talent. So, you know, we we may have to dive back into, you know, whether the defense can even thrive. Uh, and now, you know, let's move to uh, LeBron. LeBron James, who obviously has you know plenty of, you know, attention around him at all times. You know, we we got to look at him because he is nearing the scoring record uh, for the NBA. Of all time, he currently sits at thirty-seven thousand nine hundred and sixty points, uh, and the all-time leader is obviously uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who uh, you know sits at thirty-eight thousand three hundred eighty-seven. So we are less than five hundred points away from LeBron. Wow! You know who is having another great season, and yeah, you know, I mean, he's, what? he's averaging twenty-nine point one points a game. Just unreal numbers for, especially for a thirty-eight-year-old. He's yeah, going to pass. Since he turned, since he turned thirty-eight, he's been averaging thirty-eight points per game. Well, there you go. Nearly yeah. forty <laughs> points. The man's the man's a machine. Always has been. There's never yeah. been a point where anyone he, he he may very well end up being the you know he's always in the conversation now for greatest player of all time. It's it's you know yeah. he's it's it's usually you know you got to fact of the matter is he's going to pass uh uh Kareem Abdul-Jabbar this year yeah 
yeah. potentially, you know, before, you know, the, the well, no, maybe not before the half, but certainly this season. Certainly uh, for, this season. For uh, for number one on the NBA's scoring all time list, and there's no sign of him stopping. We may see yeah. him uh, eclipse forty, forty one, forty two thousand points. You know, before his career is over, and that yeah. who knows if that'll ever be touched. So yeah, I mean, I know he wants to at least play with his sons. So <laughs> like, I mean, that's it. at least three more, four more seasons. I oh think. yeah, oh yeah. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on it, but he's gonna pass it. So uh, yeah, when it which, happens, you know, good for him. Yeah, generational, generational player, one of the greatest and if of all he, time. And if he breaks that now, that now that does come down to the real conversation of is he the greatest player of all time? Because yeah, okay, he doesn't have the amount of titles that Michael had, but he now uh, has way more well, points. Yeah, he, he still has titles. He has a ton of ton yeah. of accolades. Well, we know, and we and anyone who knows basketball knows titles aren't anything or, or not everything, because Correct. if titles were everything, we would have given it to uh, you know uh, the the Boston Celtics of the of the old days who all have you know ten plus rings. So. Right. It's it's a matter of uh, really adding up everything in your career. And so, uh, hey, there's a legitimate conversation to be had of LeBron James mm-hmm. being the greatest player of all time. And hitting that record, that particular record, is a, a big step in the direction toward having that conversation. But mm-hmm. uh, let's let's look at the uh, the top teams uh, for each conference, starting with the East. Let's look at the Boston Celtics, who really started. They started out as like, Oh, here they come! Like I yeah. mean, they're they're still the highest scoring team um, in in the league. Although they're being challenged by uh, a surprising uh, Sacramento Kings team uh, this year. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, but uh, the the Celtics still are the highest scoring team, and uh, for a while there, it looked like, geez, can anyone stop them? Before they went on a little bit of a, you know, they finally came back down to earth a little bit, um, but. You know, Tatum having just, wow, what a season he's having. Uh, is same thing with Jalen Brown. I mean, they're both having – they're both scoring career highs in points, and uh, and, they're st- and they're both putting up seven or more rebounds as well. And they're really, in all phases of the game, two of the biggest superstars, and they're on the same team. It's fantastic to watch, and we'll see if they, uh, they go forward. The Nets. The Nets are, uh, are an animal – that are it's pretty interesting i they went on a uh, a 12 win uh streak there for a little bit and uh now they're about to hit a wall because kevin durant's about to be out for two weeks yeah. um yeah about a, maybe a month maybe a month okay well yeah. there you go because i gotta tell you mcl sprain yeah yeah it's an mcl sprain so it's a serious uh injury they gotta keep an eye on and and i gotta tell you behind durant and irving they got nobody no but behind KD and, and Kyrie, they've got nobody. That this is a team completely and utterly held up by their uh, by their stars. And I was hoping Seth Curry would be more of a factor. Up to this point, he has not. But uh, you know, I well, I, it's it's tough to say that. Obviously, say so he has been brilliant from the three point, but he's only he's only making a couple of game. So yeah you're not really it's not really because yeah you can shoot 42 and a half percent from three but if you're only taking you know four four shots a game it's not really going to add into your bottom line so right now it's all kd and all Kyrie, and you know 
this next month is going to be a question. Can can Kyrie shoulder the load, um, you know, while Katie's out? And then you got the Bucks, who right now are going on. They got a good run going themselves. Nine and nine and one in their last ten. As always, Giannis is just a dominant force, having himself another Giannis-like year. Thirty-two <laughs> points, you know, nearly twelve rebounds. The man's a machine, and yeah, it, he's that team he is just, a machine. He gets better and better every single year. If you look at his, if you just go and look at his career stats, practically every single year is an improvement, and. It really just, you know, this team will go as far as he will. And yes. Drew Holiday has been fantastic. Brooke Lopez is having himself a, good, a better season than uh, people thought. And then Bobby Portis as well. So they have the, you know, they have the, the team that they, they want. Obviously, Chris Middleton being out is a is a problem. Um, yes. And that's going to come more, come more into play in the playoffs. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it this team, again, will go as far as their stars will, will you know, carry it, but they've got young, young talent, so it's okay. Um, going into the West, you've got Denver, who finally Dude. looks like the team Dude. they should look like. Man, Jamal Murray finally healthy. I mean, Jokic is just a triple-double Gosh. machine, dude. I mean, he Yo- puts up Jokic. pretty much every night, it feels like. Man, Jokic is such an animal, man. He's just he's so good. It it's it's really frustrating. I mean, in his last 5 games, he has three triple triple doubles. He is mm-hmm. truly an otherworldly player and he's only 27. This is yeah. another kind of player that really experiences growth every single year. And yep. he this team is now starting to look a little bit more balanced for the first time. You know, with all the injuries they've had to deal with, I mean, look, look, Jamal Murray, like you said, he's back, he's healthy, he's playing great. Aaron Gordon's playing great. Michael Porter yeah. Jr. is playing great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Caldwell Pope is playing great. It, that was a great pickup. Great pickup for them. And and Highland, Bones Highland, he's playing Bones, great. Bones Highland, man. I love Bones Highland. That dude's, that dude's a character. I love watching him play. And you know what? They're, as a team, as a team – if you add up everyone, now this, mind you, this also includes uh, players that, you know, don't take a lot of threes. But as a team, they're shooting 40% from three. That's cr- that's crazy. As a team. Yeah. That includes 41% from Michael Porter Jr. and Bones Highland. You've got 37% from Jokic, over 37% from Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon. And you've got a mind-boggling 47.9% from three from Paul Caldwell Pope. Mind you, he's he's also taken only a, a, you know four shots from you know per game from there, but that's a good that's average. That's all you need, man. It's yeah. all you need, and their their team just looks fantastic, and they've they're got the big. defense to boot. Yeah, they're a so, big team, but they're athletic. They're, they're a scary built team, man. I yep. hate to go against them in a seven game series. Absolutely, I I completely agree, and I I don't think there's gonna be many teams that will be able to uh, to stop them. Uh, you know, one team that might be able to take a crack at it would be the uh, the Grizzlies, who, again, uh, you know, behind the the leadership and play of John Morant, wow, just a Dude. just he already looks like the the man. Just, he is, I mean, he's like he's another look- player. Mm. Oh, yeah, just so fun to watch. I mean, just like the way he can go up into the air, and somehow it feels like he hangs there for ten seconds, and somehow. Yep switches hands and like either dunks on you or ends up with a crazy aerial acrobatic shot. It's just yep. crazy to watch, man. Like you never get to see this kind of stuff. 
Exactly. It's, and it's then wild. with you know, you've got a great supporting cast coming out, great season from Desmond Bain so far. Yeah. Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, and uh Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark all having really great seasons. So they've got you know, they're they're looking like a really complete team. Uh yeah. you know, going in. Uh so it'll just be it'll just be experience and age. They don't really have that kind of you know leader in regards of like the old like wise and sage kind of guy to kind of keep the guy young guys on a leash and keep them focused kind of thing that's the only thing i would be worried about yep yep it is a young team but they're uh you know hey they'll they'll go as far as uh their young core can can really send them and then uh speaking of young cores as well you've got the uh the, the the new orleans pelicans who are finally it looks like they're putting things together where they should there was Kind of a resurgence of Zion Williamson finally having the season that we all expected from him consistently. Healthy and, yep, yep. Healthy and his and mindset. mentally ready. Yes, ready yes. to finally play. Yes. Because, look, his rookie season obviously cut short. Then you had, you know, the season after that, it, there, was, there was, you know, he had a li- flashes of really, really great brilliance. And then, you know, the season – you know, season before this one was a complete wash. So him coming in with a, a new mindset, really, you know, realizing that, hey, it, his success is on himself. And, you know, taking that into this season, it's been nice to see. It, it really has been. And it's paid dividends because you put him together with C.J. McCollum, with Brandon Ingram, with, you know, uh, Valensunius. You have the makings of a team that can go a long distance in the playoffs yeah for sure i mean they put they took the suns to seven last year you know a Mm -hmm. suns team that had won won a lot of games you know yep um they they have a ton of talent and it it, getting mccullum was such a great pickup because that's the veteran leadership he's a great great locker room guy yes he's so good at getting the team focused behind both his play and just like he's just a philosophical kind of person he kind of he wants to have team synergy like, Absolutely. And he's only 31. Piece. So while he's a veteran, yeah. he's still got a lot of years on him. So mm-hmm. it's great to see uh, they're, they're finally, uh, you know, taking that next step in hopefully what will be, uh, you know, continued success. Uh, but moving on into hockey, good old uh, the NHL here. Uh, really, man, the story has just been the dominance of the Boston Bruins. It uh, pains me to say, as a uh, you know, as a hockey fan, but there, there's no, uh, there's no look, you know, looking the other way. They are 11 points ahead of any other team that could challenge them. They have not lost at home in regulation yet this season through 40 games, and they just cannot be stopped. Scoring is is they score easily, and they they they're the only team in the NHL that ha- that has less than 100 goals scored on them. They actually have less than 90. My God. They're sitting at 88 right now. So they have the least goals scored against them. They've scored the most goals, uh, you know, by at least seven uh, more than any other team. They – no one can stop them. No one can stop them. And I don't – this looks like the perfect marriage of veteran talent with young, uh, with young talent because you've got obviously got Brad Marchand and Patrice uh, Bergeron are you know th- these these guys have been around forever and they've Old won stages, championships yeah. they've, and and now they're leading this team and you've got Pasternak who looks like he's going to have the best season he's ever had you know he's on yeah, pace for he had 120 a hat trick last night 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yes, yeah. yes. I'm well aware as a Ducks fan <laughs> that they scored seven goals on us as a team, um, and he had a hat trick. Uh, Pasternak has scored uh, in the last three games. He has scored seven goals, so he has rocketed into second place, just behind Connor McDavid in uh, goal leader of goals uh, in the NHL, and he's looking like he's going to have a 120 point season uh, if things hold. This is a magnificent, uh, you know, team. And the rest can't even really compete. They're just t- trying to stay relevant. Um, and if you look at the scoring explosion in general, though, it this has been really surprising because the NHL is one of those leagues that it, it's it's real. It's ever since the turn of the uh, the uh, the century, it's been real tough to score consistently and get players. You know, like we we kind of talked about before. If you in, in past episodes. If you score 100 points in the NHL, you're the real deal. And, and if you can mm-hmm. do that for multiple seasons, you're you're easily one of the best players in the league. And mm-hmm. to put it in perspective, the, this is an 82-game season, and through 41 games, Connor McDavid has 76 points. We are looking at a guy who's going to score probably over 150 points you know, before the season's end. And while he is the undisputed leader, I mean, Leon Dreisaitl has 62 points. Uh, behind him for second place um just to put it in perspective uh so we're we're roughly through 41 games uh that's you know 41 42 depending on how many games that each team has played but to put it in perspective there are 33 players in the uh in the league that have 40 or more points that wow is huge we are seeing just an absolute explosion of scoring in the NHL this year. And yeah. if you just look at the goals alone, you've got 17. Well, that's not true. You've got 21 players. There we go. 21 players that have 20 or more goals. And you've got a whole host, maybe 10 more players that have 19. So you've r- basically got, you know, 30 players that have, you know, close to 20 or more than 20 and at halfway through the season, yeah, we we That's look just at six hundred goals scored right there. Jeez, yes, man. it's insane. And now that obviously means that goaltenders have suffered. Everyone not named Linus Ulmark has you know more than two goals scored on him, uh, you know, per game. But it it's 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 this is this is definitely an outlier in NH in the NHL's existence, you know. Uh, well, I take that back. So not so much their existence, but at least in the last 23 years, this is an outlier. Go- scoring explosion in, in ways that just cannot even be, you know, undersold. And mm-hmm. it's wonderful to see as a hockey fan. It's my again, it's my favorite sport to, to watch. And and I really love supporting it. And it's it's really cool to see these players really come in and you see some surprises like Jason Robertson and uh and yeah. uh Tage Thompson you know really come through and almost have 30 goals each and uh you know I- I'm happy I'm happy I'm, we're in a good state of affairs uh in the NHL hmm. across the board uh as an average um but obviously we want to you know take a look at the individual teams um but for before we do that uh you know i want to we want to pop into uh canada just won the world juniors yeah. uh which is no surprise you know if anyone's been paying attention but 
the main story has been uh, Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard is going to be the undisputed uh, first overall pick in the uh, in, in the draft, and everyone's gunning for him. He he really is a gen- he looks to be looks to be a generational talent, and uh, I mean the d- case in point in these in this latest World Juniors, uh, he he put up twenty three points in seven games. Yeah, he's nuts, man. I I I was shown some highlights from him a couple months ago, and I mean, great. Just just a super polished player for his age, which is crazy that it feels like these kind of guys are coming up every year with uh, just well, just like this level of talent, you know? I mean, obviously, it, he's yeah. still a, a tier above a lot of these players who've come in, but it feels oh, yeah. like it's becoming more consistent with this, the talent of these guys where they can come in now and be yep. impact players. Yep, I, I agree. And, and just to put it in perspective, he is 17 years old. And yeah. He's going to be uh, hopefully dominant for a long time, and any team that gets him uh, should, re- oh man, count their lucky stars that they that they do because wow, he could really turn around a team. Um, and so let, let's talk about those, you know, the teams, the ups and downs a little bit. Starting uh, in the, um, let me pull up some of the teams like well, you know, like the Canadians for example. Canadians are not having a good season by any stretch of the imagination. Um, which is, and which is yeah. funny because you know just a few years ago they were competing for uh, a Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup, yeah. And so uh, they've they've dropped off. They're not they're not among the the worst teams. They've s- still won 16 games, but uh, it's far from where they want to be. Uh, as they just a don't team. have a lot of pieces. They don't have a lot of pieces, I, you know, to build on besides maybe you know Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Yeah, exactly. Cole Caulfield yeah. has been has been wonderful. He's done exactly Good. what everyone wanted him to do. You know, he scored twenty three goals this season, and he's done every wow. exactly what yeah. was expected of him, which is score goals. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, I know yep. there was a lot of pressure on him when he got drafted that he was going to have to do a ton. So. Well, he's a bit undersized. He's at five seven. Yeah. But, oh yeah, he's that's a little. But I mean, but then you get you talk to Gretzky about that, and you, you can still get things done. So he's he's on pace to score forty seven goals in his second year. The man can play, and he does it yeah. again. Awesome. He does exactly what's expected of him. Score goals. And Nick Suzuki, great piece to have at center. You know, he's on pace for, you know, 70 points uh, himself after, you know, having a really great year last year, uh, the last couple of years. So they, they have a couple of pieces, and now they have Kirby Dock. So That's true. They did get him. You know, they've, they've got some pieces to build a little bit. Their defense is, uh, it does need a little bit of work, but um, if they get a high enough draft pick, you know, maybe they can shore some of those concerns up. Uh, another... Uh, you know, kind of down on their luck team, uh, which is kind of hilarious when you think about it. It's the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, <laughs> who yeah. they they you know so they won the Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes and you know pulled over a, a guy who literally scored uh, what 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 did he hit one sixteen or something like one fifteen one hundred and fifteen points last year forty goals and seventy five assists and now he's on pace to hit maybe eighty if he's lucky. The yeah. the Blue Jackets are almost pushing for to get Connor Bedard. That's how bad they've played. They have barely <laughs> they've they have exactly one hundred goals scored, and wow. they they get scored on routinely. It's it's tough to see why they're in. Uh, I don't even know. Couldn't even tell you why they're in this exact position. Just really terrible goalie play, and their defense is almost non-existent. It's it's you. 
you don't have a defensive player that's even in the top ten in their points. Like it, it is really bad. Um, and they've got a lot of things to fix and paying a lot of money for Goudreau with the NHL's uh, – with the way that their cap structure works, there's not a lot of room. So yeah. they paid a lot for Goudreau, and they were hoping to pair him up with Patrick Laine, who, his, who himself – I mean, he's experienced some injuries this year, and he is not playing his best. He's maybe going to hit 40 points, and it's, it just hasn't been great. So – you you got a one you got it's a head scratcher of a year for the Blue Jackets. Hopefully it's an anomaly, but you know you you got to pay. You certainly have to pay attention to it. And then you've got over in the West in the uh, in the Central Division, you've got the Blackhawks. Who yeah, it's no surprise they're where they're at. They give away Kirby Doc and Alex DeBrinket. Alex DeBrinket, yeah. Which is just unimaginable that they would do that on draft night. So yeah, just a they may, and they. Tank. I don't know what they're doing. They're certainly trying to get Connor Bedard, and right now they're yeah. leading the sweepstakes to get him. Uh, but it's like I don't know. The, the The issue with that is, yes, he's super talented, but then Kane and Taves are obviously much older now. They don't have a lot of years left. You can't really bank on them to be like this this core of any sort of winning team. So it's Patrick, like great. Patrick Kane's thirty four. Taves is thirty four, and yeah, right. you maybe you've got some. Some ye- certainly got a lot of years, maybe out of Max Domi, who's having a, himself a resurgent season. But yeah, you can't Max bank on it. Player. No, and it's just like okay, so you traded your core pieces. I get it that yes, this guy's a generational talent, but now it's like okay, so then you're still back to kind of square one where he's going to struggle. He may play fantastic like McDavid, but you're not going anywhere. So what? What was the fucking point? Exactly. You know? They they they. Uh, that's another. That's actually they kind of fit in right now. At least from the draft to this point, they look like, you know, the A's and the MLB and the or the Pirates. Yeah. Like, oh, they, it looks like they're a hostile organization. Like, what the hell are you doing? Which so, is crazy uh, because it was such a dynastic team. It was, yeah. you know, like the a legitimate dynasty from when at least you and I were been watching yep. hockey. So, yep, they were always the in, the, in the mix. So it's you know it's tough, but and then rounding out uh, the worst teams in the league, you've got the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, you know, my favorite team, but. This is to be expected. Um, the Ducks were, mm-hmm. were staving off a rebuild for a long time in the uh, late yeah. 2010s. So it, it finally hit, which is unfortunate for, you know, they've got a, a, a really great talent in John Gibson, but, you know, uh, at goalie. But yeah, uh, everywhere else, they're, they're in a full rebuild. Uh, you know, Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras have been fantastic young talent. Exciting and, to watch. And now Mason yes. McTavish has been, you know, he's having himself a great rookie season, but – Beyond that, it's kind of been, uh, you know, a little bit of business as usual. And this is, but yeah. the difference between the Blackhawks and the Ducks, for example, is uh, the Ducks have a clear path forward. The Ducks yes. are very much firmly in a rebuild. They've admitted as such, and mm-hmm. they know, you know, they have a new general manager, uh, and, and they, they really just the the, the Samuelis are the owners of the Ducks. The Samuelis, they know what to do and they've been here before so building uh, you know uh, building up a team and going through a rebuild the first step in solving any problem is admitting that there is one right yeah exactly admitting that you know hey we're in a rebuild and uh you know and having you know pat verbeek the gm of the ducks really go through uh the the motions of hey we're going to take on some bad contracts get some picks Mm -hmm. move things around try to get in position to get the number one overall pick to get Connor bedard not tank 
because they've certainly, if you look at the games, they've certainly been trying. Yeah, they've, they've beaten some good teams. I mean, even even when they got shelled last night, they still put up, what, three goals against Boston? So now it's yeah, not like they're so just they, like, They've tried, right. but they've also gotten the yeah. most goals scored against them. And they're one of few teams that uh, still don't have 100 goals. Or, uh, I'm sorry, one of two teams that don't have 100 <laughs> goals in uh, the Ducks and the Blackhawks. Um, but they uh, right now they're getting shelled at every at every opportunity. Um, but again, there is a path forward. So yeah, you know, there is there is hope in watching this team. You can be like, wow. So we we yep. take this beating, but we get you know we get the pieces that we should get, mm-hmm. and this team could be very good in three, four, five years for sure. Yep. Yep. Hopefully and on I'm, the free okay end. Yeah. As a fan, as a as a Ducks fan, I'm okay with that. If you you know, I, I I'm happy to to give it three more years to really see if if we can get that incremental you know build because it is tough right. to to maneuver the the cap uh the the money situation in the NHL Absolutely. and we're probably going to have yeah. an episode on that eventually because it is oh, yeah. pretty strict. Um, it is. going through the top of the league, we've already talked about Boston, but let's talk about uh you know the the, the teams that are vying for second place at this point, which are. Uh, at least the, the the other two, um, we'll talk about the Carolina Hurricanes, which I mean, again, business as usual for them. They're having a good season. They, they did a, a little good bit, job, man. A little bit different in who it's been. You know, normally yeah. it's it's yeah. been Sebastian Ajo and mm-hmm. you know uh, Svechnikov that have really led, and Svechnikov's have is still in the top two, yeah. but now they've got Martin ne- uh, Nekas, who is yeah, dude. or Nikas rather. Oh, just wow, what uh, this team is young. It is built for the future, and it's not going to be long before we're seeing them in the spot that the Bruins are in uh, right now. Yeah, they make good signings, man. Getting Brent Burns, I mean, they got good pieces that complement each other. You don't see that a lot where, like, guys just click and this team's moving. They're fun to watch. They're one of my favorite teams, honestly. I really enjoy Carolina. Yes, I I agree. They're fun to watch, and they're definitely one of my favorite to, uh, to root for as well. Uh, and then you've got the uh, the Maple Leafs uh, that are have had a little bit of a resurgence in uh, recent uh, games, uh, which is nice to see. They've got a lot of talent. I mean, you you got Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, John Tavares. There's just so much to like about the Maple Leafs. And the question for them is, it's kind of, you know, it's always can they take the next step in the playoffs? And correct, you know, you would hope that maybe with a little bit of not so much pressure on them. Because right now the pressure is all on Boston. It's Boston and everybody mm-hmm. else. You want to mm-hmm. think that maybe, just maybe, they've uh, you know they'll be able to take that next step and really compete uh, for the Stanley Cup. Um, so and then we'll weapons. round out the top teams uh, that are vying for second place with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, the Golden Knights are having what should this should have happened last year. Uh, they're having it now. They got uh, rid of a lot of uh, got, got rid of a lot of pieces. You know, over the last off season, but uh, they're having you know uh, the season that all for all intents and purposes should have happened before. Mark Stone, mm-hmm. now that he's not injured, having himself a great season. Uh, Chandler Stevenson, Jack, and now new addition Jack Eichel, also having great yeah. seasons. Uh, you know, it's it, it's starting to come together. They spread out the points really well. Um, they've got you know it looks like they've got like eight players that are over twenty points, and it it they're finally putting the pieces together. Can the goaltending hold up? That's the real question in Logan Thompson mm-hmm. and Aiden yeah. Hill. So that'll be a question. Uh, to, you know, can it hold up? You know, we'll see. 
Um, and then I do want to, I know I did, we were going to round out with the biggest, but I do want to mention that a little bit of a, two surprises that have happened in, with hockey uh, in the Dallas Stars and New Jersey Devils. Both yeah. teams really playing well, outplaying their coverage, if as it were. Uh, oh, you for know, sure. The 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 uh, the stars have found their new star in uh, their new superstar in J- potentially in Jason Robertson, who is yeah. just hitting at every phase of the game right now. Uh, you know, twenty eight goals, twenty nine assists. So he is leading. Unbelievable. Just yeah, I think he's third in overall points right now. He's looking to have you know well over a hundred point season. You know, good for him. He's only twenty three. And then you've got the Devils, who uh, you know have. Finally putting the pieces together with all their high picks. Jack Hughes, who was slated yeah. to be, you know, uh, just another generational talent, finally putting things together. Looks like he's about to hit a 100-point season for himself. Uh, he's, got, yeah. he's on pace for 53 goals and 47 assists. So good <laughs> for him. You know, in the last uh, five games, he has put up, uh, what is that, uh, eight goals in the last five oh. games. So, uh, And that's ten points in the last five games uh, total. So really good uh, you know, improvement out of him, which uh, has kind of been the story for him. He, he's improved every year. So, mm-hmm. uh, put a the, lot of pressure the, on him. Yeah, there's. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of pressure when you get labeled as a generational talent. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that the stars and the devils are really, you know, taking their talents and pushing forward. The de- the stars have kind of always been in the mix, but the devils, you know, were not slated to be one of the top teams, and they certainly mm-hmm. are now. So, yeah, good for them. Moving into uh, you know, Major League Soccer and the men's national team, we got to start off. There's no way around it. We got to start talk Ugh. about Gio Reyna. Connor, take us away. Yeah. So obviously, there were a lot of questions for during the World Cup of why Gio Reyna, who was is the one of the most talented players on the roster, wasn't playing very much. It later during an interview with the head coach Greg Berhalter was saying there was a player who had not been showing enough effort and that's why that you know certain players weren't being played which was a direct reference to Giorena everybody could have seen through it it was obvious but now his family his parents and him took offense to the way it was handled and his father who was a mainstay on the national team was one of the ambassadors for the team is in the hall of fame for the U.S. men's national team and his wife decided to publish Basically, this is basically just veiled blackmailing. You know, there's no other way around. It's talking about previous domestic assault that Greg Berhalter had over, I think, 30 years ago with his current, you know, his current wife. Um, It's disgusting. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, this is just a a classic, and we've been talked about it, a my son didn't get playing time, so now you're going to pay for it. Yeah, is that what this is? Is that basically just a hey, uh, a disgruntled mother or well, disgruntled yeah. a mother and father, disgruntled parents, mm-hmm. saying my boy didn't get the playing time we thought he, you know, rightfully deserved, so we're going to, you know, make your life hell. Yeah, I mean, basically ruin this guy's life. I mean, wonderful. Like what he did, what he did is inexcusable. I'm not saying it's not, but obviously this wasn't well, like it happened two months ago. And no, it's a it's a larger conversation to be had about there. There yeah. is a larger conversation coming. Correct. Uh, you know, about situations like that where it's like, OK, we're talking about domestic violence uh, that happened 30 years ago was settled and it's with the same person that he's with. This was not a it, while it was an unknown story, it wasn't hidden. So it's not like. Right. 
this this isn't uh, folks to 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 kind of put it bluntly this isn't a bill cosby situation where there was a bunch of unknown information that has come to the surface no this is Correct. something that was that happened he was punished for it and mm-hmm. it's settled what right wrong or indifferent no matter what you feel about it that's that's what happened and then you've Correct. got Rana's parents coming in and well, like you said, blackmailing him. We're not even blackmailing. They're just trying to out out him yep. and say he's bad and try. Mm-hmm. They're pulling. They're grasping at straws to try and get this guy out. But that's the goal. There's no other goal yeah. that can mm-hmm. be that can be had from their perspective than to try and get him off right. of the na- the national team as the coach. Which it what wonderful timing considering that the next world cup in 4 years is going to be hosted by north america don't you think that now not now might not be the best time to throw everything up into the air yeah. coaching wise right i mean and it's just i mean obviously we did the whole episode on it in our last episode talking about like wow you know we have these great pieces these young guys now we need to build on it and we instantly shoot ourselves in the foot. And so Gio Reyna is one of those guys. Look, he is. By the way, I, the coach Berhalter saying that that Gio Reyna, you know, d- it was showing uh, immaturity doesn't surprise me. The guy's what nineteen. That does not surprise me that he's showing Im- that he was showing immaturity. Right. What what shouldn't happen from that point is oh you know what then you're you're wrong and we're going to make sure that you're you're not the coach anymore that is typical that is oh man look there's no other way to say this that's typical which rich white people behavior right there i don't agree with you so and my my kid's better than yours and we're going to get you thrown off the team because you know you're not you're not giving our boy the 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 this wasn't the only World Cup this guy is going to play in. No. He is 19 years old, and he has all of his career in front of him, and then you yeah. go and do this. Now, I don't know Gio Reyna's exact opinion on this. We only know the actions taken by his parents. But right. it's hard. it would be hard for me to believe that he didn't know what was going on. And mm-hmm. at that point, you've got if, – if you agree if you agree with – if Gio Reyna agrees with what his parents did, then – you know, maybe there, maybe he doesn't belong on the team, and if yeah. he doesn't agree, why didn't he step out and and try to you know solve this situation ahead of time? Of because it. this yeah. is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This basically yeah. takes a locker room and throws it into disarray. And yeah. and I know it may seem like, hey, we've got four years till the next World Cup. That's not a lot of time when you consider these guys have you know clubs that they yeah. they dedicate their time to. They don't play together every day. They play together a couple times of you know, couple times every few months. Yeah, so. exactly. So this is not a situation where y- you can, you have to tread lightly. You have to, mm-hmm. and yeah. especially when you know the big reveal wasn't exactly that important. You know, you know no. about Berhalter. So no, I'm, I'm hoping there's more backlash against the parents for this because that's just ridiculous. I'm hoping that we can, you know, move forward without, you know, too yeah. much stress in the locker room for the men's national team. Yeah, I'm very, very worried about that because, you yeah. know, there's just a certain level of trust now, you know, like, yeah, you're supposed not to there. keep these things, you're supposed to keep these things in house to that extent. 
and yeah you should you should have to you, i mean there there has to be that trust and and if it's not there if there are questions about it how can you trust him you know on the field to do uh, his his part you know right and and be able to lead and especially when you're you're you know as talented as he is so mm-hmm. we'll we'll check back in with that situation and hopefully it it you know gets some kind of resolution <laughs> yeah. but it's not looking great f- from here no um you know moving into the uh the major league soccer uh we've got you know the back in november uh you know los angeles uh you know football club won their first title and fun uh, game. Get, super and, fun game oh yeah absolutely against the uh, philadelphia union and uh the uh, and, and gareth bale also announced his retirement uh mm-hmm. so you know which hey you know we, we as of the status right now mls is still the retirement league so that makes sense and yeah, uh, i mean luckily he came in and he made an instant impact i mean he got them into extra yep. time you know that did his did. part he's yeah. been a pretty he's been a fun player to watch he's won at a lot of levels so i oh, can yeah. you know congratulate him on a great career and hope he enjoys golfing absolutely absolutely <laughs> and uh you know and they're gonna be it's nice to see them you know win their first title and uh hopefully they'll be able to uh you know build the pieces and, ke- and keep a uh you know a, a competitive team going um you know the philadelphia union were the the team that that lost in the uh the, in the cup final um but they've they've certainly got the pieces to keep going they scored a lot of points uh you know in uh, in the MLS this year, they and and they were pretty good at defense. Like they, you know, that's y- you have both sides of the ball, you know, working. Y- at this point, it's just a you know any any given day kind of moment. You know, you you've mm-hmm. got things rolling, go into next year and hopefully that you can get you know your you know everything working for you. Whereas the the two teams at the bottom of each conference, the uh, the DC United and the San Jose Earthquakes, they have a lot to do. Uh, you know, in particular, let's start with San Jose. San Jose is, uh, they score a lot. They scored, you know, if you look at just the, uh, you know, just the goals scored, they scored 52 goals, which is a significant number in the MLS. They, they, they were top six in their, in the conference, you know, in scoring, but they were bottom of the league because they let 69 goals go by them. So they need to shore up their defense. They need to shore up in, in goal and, and, and maybe they, they can actually go compete because the, the biggest thing, you've got a fantastic player in uh, Jeremy Ebobese. And if they can give him a little bit of help, they could be, you know, you're looking at, you know, a, a you know, they, and they do have Christian Espinoza. So that's not to say that he isn't help enough, but you want to be able to compound that, those, those scores into winning. Um, Correct. Now the team that doesn't have you know that kind of player is the dc united the team they did not score they couldn't even eclipse 40 they scored 36 goals least amount in the league and they had the most goals scored against them just an absolutely abysmal year uh and and they you know they um the the coach at the end of the season lucy rushton did uh get relieved uh of her duties so they had they are looking for a new coach and uh and right now there's not not a ton you know, besides, uh, you know, Fountas, uh, uh, Taxi Archers Fountas, uh, besides him on the team, there's not a whole lot to be excited about. And uh, and Fountas is 27, so it's it's not like he, you know, they've got a pipeline that really works for them. Right. They have to go yeah. out and, and, and really focus on scoring goals. 
and before they can even really take a look at you know their defensive woes. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of work there, but uh, you know so certainly plenty of time to do it now with the MLS on the rise and hopefully more money for each individual team. You'll see we'll see the competition really uh, you know go up uh, across the board. Um, mm-hmm. And so from there, you know, we want to talk about the World Cup as well. Uh, obviously, uh, um, you know, Messi finally reached the mountain and took, uh, you know, took the, uh, uh, oh, my gosh, uh, Argentina, Jesus, Argentina <laughs> to the summit and won a World Cup. And I got to ask you, does this settle the debate between him and Ronaldo? Absolutely. Not even close. I mean, he's pretty much won every major award championship and now he's got, you know, the penultimate one. That's, that's it. Like, yeah, that's, it seems like it's over. It seems like, you know, Messi versus Cristiano Ronaldo has always been the, you know, since those players have re, you know, really hit their stride uh, in the world. They've, they've been two players that just always, I mean, they're, they're two of the, most known athletes in the entire world and Mm -hmm. the question has always been who's better and i don't think there's any doubt now like you said Messi is that guy he has consistently been and he's still the guy even today which cannot be said for you know can't be said for cristiano ronaldo so congrats congratulations to argentina congratulations to Messi, uh and uh you know, I, I think you know, watching, uh, watching his career over the, it has been a delight. In in yeah, it has. It it's been it's been truly special. So for him to finally reach the summit in in a year like this, where it kind of yeah. was deemed like maybe this is his last shot. Yeah, was was special. And the way they started too, getting embarrassed by Saudi Arabia. Yep. To have the yep. team. You know, go now. We're not done. We're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this for him. I mean, the whole thing was storybook. I mean, it was a great World Cup overall. We we talked about it a little bit. But yeah, man, it, this final. Might, it was certainly the best World Cup final I've ever watched. Agreed. And it might be the the best one in recent memory for anybody because yeah. that it it was from start to finish. It was truly just exciting to watch. I mean, yeah. Mbappe had a hat trick, took it to the end, yeah. went into penalties. Oh, my goodness. It was just fantastic. So, uh, you know, I, I doubt we'll see that kind of World Cup, you know, again for at least a while. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, great to see. Gr- great to, to mm-hmm. watch the whole thing and watch, uh, you know, Messi take Argentina from, you know, from where they, after that first loss, take them up the hill and will them into this win. So, uh, you know, again, congratulations to Argentina and, uh, you know, and Messi. Uh, Moving into college football. Let's talk about college sports rules uh, for a little bit to end the, uh, you know, our our update here. College football today, as of this filming right now, January 9th, uh, you know, the college football uh, championship game, college football playoff championship game uh, is happening tonight. So it is going to be uh, the... The undisputed number one in Georgia uh, versus the underdog of underdogs, TCU, coming up, uh, you know, to to really stun everybody. Just Mm -hmm. a – I can't even – talk about uh, 
improbable. Talk about that. I mean, I don't know. Look, they weren't even predicted to get above seventh in their division. Yeah. Much less go to the college football national championship. And they in the games that they've won, it's easy, and I'm I'm guilty of it, to look at these games and go, they're so close, and they're not it's not real, and I, I don't believe it. And you know, and but you know what? They always it's it's how they win these games. They claw their way. Either and, and in particular, I gotta say, they never they never uh Michigan never led against them in that game. Yeah. So yeah. they outright dominated Michigan, you know, mm-hmm. for a, a good stretch of that game. So this this is it's gonna be an interesting game. I Georgia is clearly favored. I think it's like thirteen points, almost fourteen. Yeah. So they're clearly favored, but I wouldn't give them. I wouldn't give fourteen. I would not give uh, a fourteen-point lead to Georgia, uh, not after what I saw again. Look, I, y- y- if this was two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I would have said, "Okay, fine, yeah, yeah Georgia's fair. Georgia's going to stomp a mud hole in their ass." But <laughs> TCU, what seeing what they did to Michigan, and we're talking about a Michigan team that came out and surprised everybody with just how aggressively dominant they were. Yeah. TCU beat that team? Okay. Yeah. Now they're in the conversation. Uh, again, I, I'm not giving them 13 and a half on the spread. I, I'd give them maybe seven and a half. And that's not yeah. anything against Georgia. Georgia's a defensive team. Now, mind you, Stetson, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett has had, you know, quite the season for himself, uh, you know, leading this team. Um, but he, it, this is. Uh, you know, this is a defense first team. So mm-hmm. the Bulldogs, you know, going into this, there's uh, being favored. That makes sense. I get it. But, you know, they, there have been some question marks. You know, they let LSU come back a little bit, you know, in, in, to start the season, you know, and or to, to end the season rather. And, hey, they they only beat uh, Ohio State. If Ohio State had kicked a better field goal, we not, we might be looking at a different team. In yeah, the championship game here. So not for nothing, but, you know, this – it's not exactly like we're looking at a runaway game here. Now, hey. No. When we put this episode up tomorrow, I may be eating my hat. It, it, <laughs> Georgia could easily come out and just stomp TCU because they're capable of it. But we yes. know that TCU has been – I mean, just a phenomenal season out of Max, at Max Duggan. Well. Uh, just a really, really good, and and just leading this entire team to, you know, an improbable. You know, they went thirteen and one, and they've they've had every phase of their game, nearly thir- three thousand yards in rushing, a fantastic season, like we said, out of Max Duggan, and you know, their wide keep, receiver, yeah, yeah, whatever, that, whatever, Johnson, Quentin Johnson I think is dude, yeah, fantastic wide receiver. That dude has kept them in the games. He has made humongous plays when it counts. Yep, he's the real deal. And uh, and while their defense has been a little bit streaky here and there, their secondary is is something to be applauded in, uh, particularly in Josh Newton and uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, both locking down their secondary just with passes deflected. These guys are locked down corners, or at least they've played like it this year. And their defensive line, while not particularly dominant, has has, has shored up. You know, uh, you know where they've they've held their own. At the very least, mm-hmm. so if if TC, TCU they can hold on if they can just you know 
keep themselves in the game and not yep. get and you know, chip away. scared. Mm-hmm. They cannot mm-hmm. get overwhelmed by Georgia's presence because, I mean, we are talking about Georgia here. Look, it's it's. I know Stetson Bennett. The offense is is neither here nor there, but we are talking about a guy, a team with you know just unbelievable players, even from last year to this year. I mean, we're talking about a team with Jalen mm-hmm. Carter. Yep. We're talking about a team with that that's that Javon Bullard and Michael Williams and 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 Dumas Johnson. These guys have all played their part. Now, mind you, the secondary hasn't you know hasn't been as explosive, but it doesn't re- it hasn't really needed to be you know when yeah. you when you have that kind of pressure coming at you if they can overwhelm max duggan early we could be looking at you know a runaway game for georgia but i wouldn't i wouldn't anticipate it, to be honest and that's the interesting thing on the flip side is because that secondary hasn't been tested enough that if quentin johnson can get free he can do a ton of damage just like the ohio state wide receivers did uh last week so absolutely absolutely and that is that's so. that's my thing to watch right that this entire game is how does that secondary play if they i mean they might just have to double team and shadow him the whole time if they can do that then yeah like this this game's over but that quentin johnson is a very very spectacular player and i'm uh, really hoping he can get loose yep i i that i agree and we'll uh we'll keep an eye on him a uh, little fun little tidbit here is that the uh late into the uh the the betting for uh this game obviously it's a college football championship you're gonna vegas is gonna see a lot of bets uh coming through and uh you know caesar sportsbook has uh, uh announced that they've received 26 bets of ten thousand dollars or more on the game since sunday so since yesterday with 23 mm-hmm. of those on the bulldogs including a two hundred and twenty thousand dollar bet at the money line at the time which was thir- uh, 13 points and a 184,000 money line wager on uh, Georgia at uh, you know at 450. So we're looking at huge bets, huge money coming, and a lot of that is on the uh, is on the Bulldogs. So interesting. Uh, it you know it'll be it's definitely gonna be a fun game to watch. It is starting right now as of uh, as of this taping. So uh, we'll see if we're right. Um, it, to close out our uh, you know. We, we, we do want to talk about uh, the transfer portal. We want to talk about, uh, uh, you know, all of the this flurry, the flurry of players that have just seems like a never-ending talent coming from, uh, you know, y- they have good seasons. The transfer portal is like kind of the way to go now. Oh, for it, sure, yeah. With, you know, they've, they've released, uh, they've eased some of the penalties for for transferring. Um you know, for transferring schools. So you're seeing guys, you know, I think we've saw three players transfer from Alabama to TCU in the past few weeks. We're starting to see, you know, we've seen, uh, and what uh, something I'm noticing as well, including not just transfer portals, but guys are staying longer now. I think we just had the the Michigan's running back, Corum. Yeah, Blake Corum, yeah. Staying for his senior year, Utah. Cam Rising, uh, Cam Rising is staying for his senior year. Uh, you've got Max Hart or Sam Hartman staying for his. You know, I mean, it's his super senior year. Transferred to Notre year. Dame. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he transferred to Notre Dame, which is massive for them. That's gonna be you're, a big boost. You're starting to see a little bit of how this these NIL deals are taking shape and affecting the 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 rest of. Uh, uh, you know the rest of the uh, of the conferences really and 
week we'll we'll be diving more into um you know the transfer portal as a concept you know in the future but there's a lot of movement going on a lot of teams are going to be uh pretty dominant and uh you know and one of the ben- one of the teams that has benefited the most from the transfer portal is obviously USC uh, and Caleb Williams led that charge. He just won the Heisman after, mm-hmm. quite honestly, one of the best years college football has ever seen. Um, unfortunately, will undoubtedly the fa- be the favorite next year also. Yes, I'm sure he will be the favorite. Um, and uh, and it's, you know, the USC, USC wasn't exactly, you know, pegged to, to go very far, but they almost played themselves into uh, the college football playoffs. Um, do, you know, who do, who do we uh, think is going to take that, you know, Heisman next year? realistically hard to bet against Caleb Williams right there's going to be a big overhaul a lot of these big name quarterbacks are going to be gone next season and obviously it's smart to always bank on quarterbacks Um, obviously someone to maybe look for uh, North Carolina's Drake May Um, he had a great freshman year obviously he had 38 touchdowns passed for 4,000 yards 82.4 QBR so hard to think he won't grow on that as you know a sophomore obviously being a freshman and playing that well um yep yep i feel that i feel that i think uh you know if it's i mean i again hard to bet against williams i personally i i I think williams is is probably going to be the guy to look at again if he has another season like this one hard to see him losing it but a a guy i want to look at and keep uh, a little bit of focus on is uh michael Penix jr uh, in, over in mm. Washington, he is mm-hmm. coming back for his uh, senior year, and he had an explosive year, uh, over 4,600 yards, 31 touchdowns, and only eight interceptions. The, the the guy's an animal, and he really he's got the size and got the intent. He's got the you know the, the everything built around him to have another great season. He's six three. He's got the arm. He's got the leg. You know he can. He's he's your classic in the pocket uh, passer. You know, and he he's got a team around him. You know that has that, that can put up. You know they can get players around him and continue to compete. Washington, you know, played themselves into the top twenty-five uh, this year. So mm-hmm. I keep an eye on him. Certainly looks like he's uh, you know go, he's gonna. He, he says he's not done. Which hey, you got that mindset going in. Feels like maybe uh, you know he could do some damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great pick, man. He he was fun to watch. I've yeah, very very really fun to watch. That, yeah. um, mm-hmm. And it's important to note that this coming uh, season, after you know, uh, after the championship game tonight, the uh, the next next season will be the last one that the college football playoffs will exist in its current format. So the current format is there are the top four teams get in, and that's decided by you know the you know the the committee and everything. So. The four it will expand after uh, twenty twenty three. It will expand to uh, to twelve teams from four, so it'll triple the field, and you'll start to see a real playoff structure take take shape, yeah. which is very exciting. Um, and that will coincide with uh, a lot of conference shakeups, in particular. Yes. Uh, you know, you've got USC and UCLA going from the Pac-12 currently scheduled to go to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got uh, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Yeah. And which which is is interesting because now you've got TCU in the championship game. They're getting all these transfer portal, 
you know, guys and, 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 you know, build and then, and the big 12 also has BYU and, uh, and among other schools coming in to them. So this is going to be a shakeup. The really realistically, yeah. the only one that, that kind of seems like it's left out to the dust right now is the PAC 12. So we'll see how they react. We'll see how, you know, come, now obviously everything stays put for another season. So we're not going to be talking about this in, in a real sense for, you know, one more season after this, but right. Uh, it is still interesting to, to note that uh, all these changes are happening at the same time. What is it expanded to eight or 12? I can't remember what they're. 12, 12. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's going to be really, full, really, really interesting. That's a full bracket. That's a full but, bracket right there. Yeah. It'll be nice to have less. Obviously, there will still be snubs, but now we're going to have a lot less what ifs. And now we can see, you know, these teams that didn't get to play top end talent kind of now start to play against these guys. Yeah, I agree. Because I think that right now the four team play uh, format is is uh, there's a leaves a lot of questions on the table, Absolutely. Um, especially when, you know, it's decided by a committee. It's not decided just purely based off of any statistic. It's based mm-hmm. off of the committee's decision. So having mm-hmm. 12 teams takes a lot of pressure off of that. Still be plenty of questions, I'm sure. But, you know, at least you have an expanded field um, to coincide with all the conference shakeups. Um, and then to uh, to round things out, we've got college basketball, which, you know, uh, college basketball, We you know, it, it, I want to talk about it early. Um, while the season is still young because we got, uh, you know, once March Madness kicks in, that's when everyone starts really paying attention. But there's a lot to be said right now about, uh, you know, where we're at and where we're at in the rankings. Um, It's been musical chairs with uh, with the the top of the rankings. I mean, UNC, where they go? They're not even in the top rankings anymore. North yeah. Carolina started at number one. They have completely dropped off the board. Uh, they, man, losing the first the, those four games to to really start the young season uh, did not help them. And right now, as it stands, you've got Houston in the in the number in the driver's seat at number one, uh, and you know back in number one, right, you know mm-hmm. where they where they were. Purdue finally lost. They were undefeated for a while. Um, to they, Rutgers you know, of all teams, but Rutgers yeah. does have their number. They beat them last year too. Yep. It, it, it it's like like I said, it's been musical chairs. These teams, mm-hmm. you don't know what to expect. Gonzaga is at number eight. UCLA at number seven. Like th- there's teams all over the board that you you know uh, new entries into the top twenty five and and I think we're gonna see a really exciting uh, as always, but really exciting. Uh, you know, bracket for for March Madness, but um, you know the players to really keep an eye on. That, it seems like not there hasn't been a lot of names that have sprung forward. You know, obvi- no. I think I think that you know out of the top teams, I think you know Zach Eady uh, over yeah. at Purdue has been fantastic. He mm-hmm. is seven foot four. He's massive. <laughs> yeah, he's dude. When you when you see him out on the court, you're like, what? What the hell? It's just like it's just like a giant among like these just like normal sized people. Well, ab- it's crazy. absolutely. He really is, you know, a giant. It's, you know. So, you know, he's he's averaging nearly he 22 points play. a game and over yeah. 13 rebounds. Dude's a monster. Then you got over uh over at Gonzaga, uh, once again Drew Timmy. Uh, you know, like having another uh, good season. He improved he's improved upon uh, you know, last season. 
uh, averaging mm-hmm. almost 22 points a game and uh, eight rebounds. So, uh, you know, he's he's leading the charge, trying to get the trying to get Gonzaga back into uh, the the main conversation. Um, but there haven't been there hasn't been that huge you know story around a, a single player where you go, okay, this is the guy. This is you know he's the one to look at. It's kind of right. been up in the air, which is, uh, in my view, that's kind of good. Uh, for it's fun to watch. Yeah. I like the team aspect of you know you look at these teams like Purdue, great team, uh, Houston, fantastic team. Play you know these teams are all playing as units and like yes, it's a cohesive thing week to week. You know? Oh yeah, it's more of a team sport instead of rather just you, 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 the clearly oh here comes a one and done to mm-hmm. you know to to lead lead the team for one year. Uh, it's nice to see a more team dynamic come into college basketball. Um, you know, to start this season in the first you know seventeen or so games, um, and then we'll check back in uh, once we get closer to March Madness. But that has been our big ass January update for <laughs> uh, for all sports. We we're, are going to try to do this at least once a month to kind of you know shore up all of the things that we don't have time to really address um and mind you i know we've got we you know will we go into as much depth as we did into all the teams that we did at the you know the upper half of this uh you know maybe maybe not we're kind of you know again we're still we're still a young podcast and we're learning this you know as we go as well Mm -hmm. but we thank you so much for uh for tuning in and uh you know We will see you next time, so cheers, sports fans. Cheers.